It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric and I'm Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. The stories in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year, I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Live with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. And DJ Ruscha. I have great thighs. It's The Net Live right now. Yes. Yes, Jeremy Ruscha. That boom was very appropriate. We are here. Welcome to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen, 22nd of September, 2014, the continuing year six of TNL. Wow. Year six, Jeremy. Six years of my life poured down the toilet on Mondays. Eh, what else would you be doing right now? I don't know. Sitting around. Doing donuts playing. in the parking lot with your new car. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. How long is a new car still a new car? I've had it since December. Still new? What does it smell like? Uh, new car. Then it's still a new car. Actually, no. It smells like children. Kids and throw up yeah. and Cheetos. No bar for my car. No <laughs> food either. Yeah. Although, it might be nice to have a car smell like Cheetos. That would I be don't. okay I with I don't know me. about that. Welcome to that Live, ladies and gentlemen. Here's what we have planned for you today. The FIVB World Championships, they have concluded. We will have a recap of the finals. College Volleyball Weekly. Another College Volleyball Weekly. It's just texting. It's normal. Jeremy, It's normal. That little sound you hear is us arranging Brandon Rosenthal. And let me know if that's how he's if, – is he referring to me? Yeah, that was Rochi. How – there's Ro- lots of – Roque. Va- there's lots of vowels missing in how he spelled my last name. Rosenthal says, send me the link for Roque. R-O-C-H-E. <laughs> I just start adding vowels randomly. I just I just put extra E's in wherever to make cover my bases, you know. Make Tell sure him to right. stop texting you so stuff's popping up on your laptop. Yeah, seriously. Jeez, Kevin, get your act together. He says he's down to 205 pounds. He's almost at his fighting weight. We will have Brandon Rosenthal here for College Volleyball Weekly. Of course, we will recap what has happened in the women world of women's college volleyball. I will be joining the world of women's college volleyball this week. I'll in? be broadcasting Arizona, Arizona State from Tucson. That will be happening Wednesday. So you're going next to week. Yep. <laughs> next week, Arizona. Uh-uh. No, I'm going Wednesday morning. Oh, I was say, I'll be there next week. Wednesday night match. Mm-hmm. Then I will, next week, I will be at Pepperdine BYU up there at Firestone Fieldhouse, home of the UCLA Bruins, just yes. so you know. And uh, and then I have another match, I believe, the following weekend. I have to look at my schedule, but things picking up for me and my involvement with college volleyball. We also have a Where Are They Now segment. We do this occasionally. We don't use this segment enough, as far as I'm concerned, Jeremy. We're going to use it this week to catch up with George Romain. Yes. Pepperdine, great player, national team, opposite 2000 Olympian and also beach athlete, beach tournament winner. So we'll have George Romain joining us in just a little while. We can catch up with George. So if you're on the chat board, get some questions in there for George, what you want to know about his playing career or about his uh, post-playing career life. Also, AVP Huntington did happen. Jeremy was there. We don't have any audio from people that dislike me, but do we have a promise for future? Jeremy, what happened? No, first of all, I, I love how you think I have all this time during the tournament to go talk to people and record their voices. Yeah, you're just relaxing up there. Yeah, just standing there. Music just happens on its own. we got nothing else to do. You can't put together a playlist and walk away? Oh, you and Dustin both. <laughs> what do you really do, Roque? Every two and a half to three minutes, I'm doing something. Set up a playlist. Stop oh. texting me, Brandon Rosenthal. 
I got to fix it on the computer. I had it fixed and then an update. Here's the thing. It. If everybody thinks that you can just throw a playlist on, do that. I'll give you an iPod and you just put whatever music you want on. We'll see how the vibe of the tournament goes without me manually putting on each song. Do your transition. Specific. Do your whole thing. How's uh, Katy Perry's fireworks going to go over at 8 o'clock in the morning? Probably not so well, Kevin. <sighs> it depends on who you are and how awake you are. Mm-hmm. All right. So you know, before we get to last week's festivities, because I'm just now recovering. I just spent all day. I had to like, take a nap because I was exhausted. I was Hopefully, out late Thursday night. Whatever you're about to talk about right now, it better be what I think you're about to talk about. I was out late Thursday night uh-huh. for your concert. We will get to that. I was out late Friday night for work. And then I don't know what happened on Saturday. can't even remember. Oh, flag football. We got smashed. So, Drink. Jeremy, uh-huh. last week on this program, we had a trivia question of sorts Yep. that related to the ABCA Top 20 poll. And the question was, what two teams have remained in the ABCA Top 20 poll for the entirety of the poll? And we're going back to the 80s, I believe. And you questioned me. And, and I questioned you. And, and you, I you what? came up with the two correct answers. Which, dominated. Which were, as I recall, Nebraska and Stanford, perhaps? Mm-hmm. I dominated. And, yeah. uh, and only later did we find out, of course, via Twitter, there was outrage on Twitter, that you are perhaps embroiled in a cheating scandal now. Cheating scandal. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I had to contact my lawyers. We probably put, we're going to put out a statement later today. Will you? Yeah. They're writing are you gonna right Are you going to deny? They're writing it up right now, and I'm going to say, if I offended anybody. <laughs> if I cheated? Yes. Did you cheat, Jeremy? I did not. It's the what best you, part about it. What are you talking about? I, first of all, I had no idea. Where was it even out? Where was it available for me to look at? It I was know, available via the AVCA. Did they email us? Twitter. Oh, I didn't see it. You Really? Uh, you have I, kind of a guilty smirk on because your face it's right funny now. because I find it highly entertaining. I'm going to take a picture right now and yeah, post do it. it. <laughs> um, no, I did not cheat at all whatsoever. First of all, those uh, the answers suspect Nebraska is. I mean, I, I just oh to a guy who only knows about beach. I mean, Nebraska is just elementary. Hey, sorry, I've been on the show for four years. I actually do pay attention sometimes. <laughs> yeah, for a guy that knows about beach, I think I pretty much dominated your indoor stuff. Hmm. Yeah, how about hmm. that, Kevin? Don't try and change this over into some. Uh, some sort of guy. There's a million people. Who's he telling you to get closer to the mic? You or me? I don't know. Because I can only project my oh. voice so much right now. Okay. Here's what happened. Oh, God, Kevin. He's he's exactly right, and we're going to have to fix this. Kevin ruined the show, everybody. No, now he can hear me. Hold on. This And this is because we were trying new technology, and sometimes this happens on the show, and trying new technology has screwed us in the past, and it was getting us today. Jay, it's about to be better right about now. See what happens when you try new things, Kevin. There we go. I'm not downstairs making a sandwich anymore. Jay Hasek, thank you. Uh, where were we? You thinking I cheated last week, yep. along with the AVCA thinking I cheated. And 20 people texting me during the show. I haven't gotten a text. This is like, okay, this is like when I got on an interview last week. We're in the show for seven minutes. How many text messages are you getting? Uh, in the last seven minutes, nine. And will you pull up the chat board on your computer? I don't see anybody on mine, which is not right. Okay. Listen, I got on the phone last week. Jesus. The world's coming to an end right now. (coughs) Kevin's sneezing and coughing. Yeah, good thing I had the mic on that time. I got on an interview last week. Mm -hmm. Hadn't had a call. Another people in the chat board. Hadn't had a call in maybe two hours that anyone had called me. I had called other people, but I hadn't had a call in two hours. I get on the phone. In the first three minutes I'm on the phone for an interview, I get three calls. 
Yep, of course. Stop calling me. <laughs> and I looked back after I was off the interview. I looked back, and it was literally. I started to call it twelve. It was twelve oh one, twelve oh two, twelve oh three. All different people. Yeah, leave me alone. I'm busy. How dare you call me on my telephone? Oh, Jesus. Just not right at that moment. Are you in the chat board? It sounds like when they forget to turn the weather guy. Turn, <laughs> we're the weather guy's mic on. Yeah, we're good. Um, we're all good. I can't see anything in this. I don't know what's happening. Chat board? Chat yeah. board's up over here. No, I'm with you. Okay. All right, so let's get to your show. Yep. Let's talk about it. This was Thursday evening. Mm-hmm. In Silver Lake, California, which for those that don't know, it's just north of downtown, mm-hmm. kind of northwest of downtown area. If you imagine in your mind a hipster, imagine in your mind a hipster. Go out on a limb and imagine in your mind. Not a tech guy, mm-hmm. not you know some ironic t-shirt and casual pants and glasses and a computer. No, hipster. A little bit edgier, probably smoking, some tattoos, black shirt, very tight black pants, mm-hmm. random shoes, like literally go anything from sneakers to dress shoes and it's all okay. It's all cool. Mm-hmm. That's that's a hipster. And probably, probably some sort of funny hat. Unique, I went for this look hat. A fedora. Yep. Not a miter. You can't wear a miter. But a fedora, uh, a Panama jack. I mean, what Whatever. Name some other hats that are like that. So th- that's the scene that you would see if you if you thought about hipster. That's what your your vision might be, right? Mm-hmm. Go to Silver Lake. Take every stereotype that you could think of about a hipster and hipster hangout. That is Silver Lake. For sure. A hundred percent. It's absolutely amazing. Stereotypes for a reason. Uh yeah. So I, I've been to Silver Lake before, and I say that you know not with uh, disdain necessarily, because I'd like to go up there and shop for interior decoration. Yeah, did you get there for a modern early? home? No, I did not. No. I came up late. Fail. Yeah, I got there about when you did because you guys were loading stuff in, and I had I gone to the bar, found out it was cash only, had to hike all the way yeah. back to my car and get some cash because I just brought a credit card. Did they have Moscow Mules? I did not ask. I no. just had one beer. Anyways, I come up and uh, and go to the Silver Lake Lounge. Mm-hmm. I pretty much parked my car and decided if my car wasn't there when I got back later, that's what insurance is for. Mm-hmm. Because Silver Lake, in addition to the hipster element, has a rather heavy homeless and looks like drug-addled population. And essentially on either side of Sunset Boulevard there, you have everything on the lower side has bars on the windows, mm-hmm. shopping carts full of people's belongings, five or six homeless folks on the corner hanging out together. This is at 10 o'clock at night. They're obviously spending the night. And then on the other side, up on the hill where you have to climb up, there are even more densely packed homes than here in Redondo Beach, but they are, I am sure, incredibly expensive. You have oh, all that, without a doubt. You have all that next to each other. Yeah. It's a very odd place. So let's get, let's get to the more important stuff, Kevin. All right, your show. Yep. How did you feel your show went? Well, do I want to bias your opinion? How do you feel... About felt, your performance. I felt fantastic about my performance. We've done oh, six to eight shows as the Suicide Doors. Only our second show with the saxophone player. Um, from my perspective on stage. What's the saxophone player's name? Laura. Okay. UC Irvine student. Dominates the sax. Laura what? It's a great question. Something Japanese. I have no idea how to pronounce it. She was wearing a Osaka shirt or something. It's exactly. She's of Asian descent. 
Yes. Um, I felt from my perspective on stage that it was the most connected I felt to everybody on stage in all the shows that we've done. Cool. Yeah. I would liken, people were asking me what your show was like, and I would liken your performance. Because I say, yeah, he's a DJ. They're like, oh, he's a DJ. What he just, you know, it's, hard just... To, it's hard to explain unless you see it live. But I thought this was a good description, and you, you tell me. Okay. I likened it to a jazz performance. Okay. Jazz is very interactive. Mm-hmm. It is very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, awesome. Yes, awesome. <laughs> uh, impromptu. Yep. But that's not quite the word I'm looking for. But anyway, uh, innovative and, and interactive uh-huh. and all the, right? It, that's what jazz is. If you go to watch a set of jazz musicians that have gotten together, they are going to jam on stage. It's organic. Yeah. So what he, you're doing up there is very much that way between Cam on the bongos, yep. you mixing, your buddy Tim mixing, and then the saxophone player, Laura. Yeah. Cause so Cam's playing, he has the bongos, the congas. And the cajon, which I don't think was Mike. He has cajones? Yeah, his cajones to be up there. I didn't know the difference. And there's two DJs. Right. So we have two turntables. There's a CDJ. Two turntables and a microphone? There is a microphone. You did have a microphone. Yes, we did. And the mixer. So Tim and I, the other DJ, are both using the same mixer. And I also have a drum pad that depends on where you... That you like to use. Depends on where you're standing. You can actually see me tapping out beats, hitting samples, things like that. So that is also happening during the show with the saxophone player. You have a fart machine. How come we don't get to use the fart There's machine no in here? no fart machine. That's what that is. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. You can get those buttons to be anything you want. Correct. It's you an, could, you it's, could make it the fart machine. It's an MPC drum pad. You were tapping on the fart machine. Yeah, you're right. Exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me, let me ask you this. Yep. Your saxophone player, Laura. Yep. Comes in. Yep. Normal looking girl. Yep. She gets up on the sax. Yep. Why does that talent make her more attractive? Because playing the saxophone is not easy. No, it's not. But the whole groove, like you watch it, you're like, oh, right on. And also because you're not really expecting a saxophone player with two DJs and a conga drummer. You reminded me of a trip I made to the Phoenix Underground which is a bar in Seattle. Yep. I think still a bar in why, Seattle. Why do they call it the Phoenix Underground then? It's underground. Its name is the Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. And then they have the Above Ground. And we, on a national team tour of Hawaii and then Seattle, and I've told the story about Maui before where we had to practice all the way across the island. Yep. Well, the second half of that trip was in Seattle and in Spokane and things. And in Seattle, we went to the Phoenix Underground. We then went to the Phoenix Above Ground, which had performing two bands – that were entirely constructed of drummers. No singers, just drums. Yep. And it, it reminded me of that because you, you, it's not a traditional performance of a particular kind of instrument or, in this case, yep. DJ equipment. Mm-hmm. And But you didn't have anybody at your event wearing just a clear plastic bra. Correct. We did not. Which, that least, was cool. At, at, least that I, at least that I couldn't see. It was very goth. Yeah, very goth. So you had great audience participation. Yep. When I walked in, there were five people in the place. Yeah. You're somebody welcome. singing Britney Spears. Yeah. And then when we went on, there was how many people do you think? Hard for me to tell from the stage. I'd say, I'd say 70. Okay. In a, in a tiny place. This is not a, this is a tiny little hole-in-the-wall joint. And this place, too, was the closest any of our shows I felt like the audience was to us. Like when I stood on the front of the stage, I could touch people. Yes. Yeah. Well, both metaphorically and physically. Correct. I mean, obviously, the obviously metaphorical it was touching ar- was already occurring. happening. Yeah touching of their their soul yeah, yeah of course but the audience participation was pretty good they were into it yep i felt like that too this was our longest set too ever 
It was about an hour, wasn't it? Close. Well, there was a good 10 minutes of, because when we... <laughs> there was we, a little audio issue? We, no, it wasn't an audio issue. Tim was scratching the fader just to make sure his turntable worked, and then the fader popped off. So that's what we were looking for on stage at the beginning. Oh, I wonder what was yeah. going on. I was like... Didn't you lose it again at some point in the show? I found I it. I saw you found, oh, I you found, found it, it during I the show. I stepped on it, and I was like, what is that? And I looked down, I was like, oh, that's Because I saw you show him. And yeah. Then, yeah. Tim, look what I found that you tried to break <laughs> off my mixer. <laughs> so that was, there was a little bit about a 10-minute delay for that. The it was... Uh, probably, it was a, I looked at my computer afterwards. The reason why I looked is because the band after us, which I did not realize was during the show because I would have lost my mind on them, was setting up while we were finishing our show. Right behind you. I... They're going to be getting a phone call and email from me today. Ooh. Yes, I am not pleased at all whatsoever. Wait in the back. That Wait is, your turn. Especially because we only went five minutes longer than our allotted set. We started late, but not our fault for starting late. The band before us went longer. Mm. Yeah, I, they, they were all up in your Kool-Aid. Oh, they, I had no idea, and they're lucky I had no idea. I would have turned them. I would have told them during the show. Turn, you would have oh, gotten on the mic yes. and told them? I wouldn't No, I would have been in their face telling them. Get off the stage. It would have made it an even better oh, show. Man. I already thought it was a good show. That would I wish. Have made it incredible. I, I honestly wish I would have known. Anyways, Cam Green is legit. One hundred percent. No formal training. No formal training at all. Uh-uh. He just. He just. Just picked it up. On and started playing. Yep. Wow. Good for him. He is legit. There were some ladies there having a good time. Yeah. And I don't mean like your ladies. Was Rebel there? Rebel was not there. Okay. There were some other ladies. You had a lot of. You had a lot of hugs before the show. You had a lot of hugs happening before this program. I, I did have some friends who were there for the first time that had never seen a show before. Yeah, like you, you did. Like you. I was one of them. Yes. Continue. <laughs> so there were some ladies there. They were having a good time. Now, these were – there were some larger ladies that were having a very good time. Yep. And they were they were not afraid to stand on the bar stools and shake it. Good. And that's, that's maybe why you couldn't see me, Jeremy, because I was sitting at the bar behind the ladies. I thought for sure – out of anybody I could see in the audience, it would be you. I have now, a granted, where you said you were sitting, that's where one of the spotlights was coming from, and I couldn't see down the bar. Okay. I, I was sitting at the bar, the, off, see down the bar off to the left. If you looked out, it was on your right. Yep. And if if I was out in the middle of the audience, you would have noticed me. But mm-hmm. I, I have a rule, and at one point you wanted me to violate my rule frequently. You wanted me to put my hands above my head, and at six foot six. I am not allowed to legally dance with my hands above my head. Correct, because people behind you get upset. Well, or you, not just you that. You may have just, hit the it, ceiling in that place, too. It, it just looks dumb. Okay. There's nothing that I can do that looks cool with my hands above my head because I put my hands up and people, they're confused. Yeah, they don't understand. That's really high. Are you replacing a light bulb? What What is happening here? Is there maintenance going on during this concert? Are you trying to high-fiver me? <laughs> I can't get that high. Am mm. I supposed to jump touch? What mm-hmm. is some sort of vertex test? Mm-hmm. But there were lots of lots of ladies having a good time, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you, there's some cool stuff happening. There's a cool vibe that you're putting out. Appreciate that. that. I'm not equipped to deal with. I'm just I'm not that cool. I think we discussed that. That I night. can't dance around and be that cool. No, you don't need to. I was just enjoying it. Now let me ask you this. Yeah. Improvisational. That's the word I was looking for before. Improvisational jazz. Yep. That's how I would describe what you guys are doing. Okay. Improvisational, but not jazz. No, not jazz, but no, no, I'm with you. Akin yeah, to yeah. that type of performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, what you're doing? Yeah, that type of performance. Uh-huh. What's the top level of that type of performance? Is this a hard summer kind of thing? It would be festival type stuff. Hard summer being one of the correct electronic festivals. Correct. 
So that would be if you were to go big time, you'd be headlining something like that. Yes. What are the bands that perform in a manner similar to yours? Give me some names. I, no. Skrillex? They, Dead uh, Mouse? Yeah, because they're quote-unquote DJs performing, but no, none of them are doing it with live instruments. Does anybody else? Not at that level. Not at that level. That's why I think we stand out. Okay. And not to take anything away from some other quote-unquote DJs, we are actually blending the music live on stage. Ah, you're not lip-syncing. Correct. What are we going to have to do to get you... It's just a matter of time, Kevin. To the higher level. We're getting there. It's really close. How can we move you out of the apartment in Redondo to a beachfront house in, say, Manhattan? Give me two years. Okay. All right. I want to come over. Yeah. All right. You going to have a party? Yeah. You and Nicole. Here's the thing, because I've been DJing for 17 plus years. When I started the Suicide Doors, people were asking me what the difference was between DJ Rocher and the Suicide Doors. And the Suicide Doors actually started out as a music production company. We're just making our own original music. But because of all these other producers that are turning into DJs and doing these big events, I was like, well, we already know how to DJ. So why don't we just combine both of them? Mm -hmm. So I tell people that when you see the Suicide Doors live, we're playing whatever we want to play. When you see DJ Rocher, I have to play what the crowd wants. Does that make sense? Or the athlete. Correct. If they ask for country, for instance. Correct. I went back-to-back country songs this weekend. What? We'll get to that later. What? Yeah, I know. It's unbelievable. Did, did, you, did it crush a little part of your soul? Did you die a little inside? My, uh, my blood pressure does go up when I start playing country music. <laughs> <laughs> Anger instead of deflation? Yes. Yeah, I yeah. see. Yeah. But I appreciate right. you coming to the show on Thursday, Kim. I had a good time. Thank you. It was a little late for me. I went home at 1130 or something. It was hot in there. Whew, it guys, was, especially on, there was no breeze. Unless you're standing, like if you were standing 10 feet away from the front door, you were getting no breeze. Yeah, there was a little AC where I was sitting. I was, but I was we were getting chatting back. earlier I was getting in the back. Nothing. Yeah. When I was enjoying looking at your condom socks, that, that, was, that was hot back there. We'll have a picture of your socks and the condom. <laughs> that was awesome. Because you're wearing condom socks. Uh, yeah, so anyway, J- get out and see a Suicide Doors event if you can. Where are you guys performing next? Um, nothing is official yet, but it'll probably be in November or December will be our next show. Did you get my tip? I don't know. I haven't got the check-in. <laughs> Thanks for tipping me, though. I, I found it funny that when I signed up for tickets, the ticket service that's used by Silver Lake Lounge, I don't know how many other places. It wasn't Silver Lake Lounge. It was uh, so the promoter, which is Afton. Oh, Afton. That's Afton, who it was. It's their ticketing system. It's their own system. ticketing it's the system. the only ticketing system that we have used from promoters. Like, there is a tip option to the band. It's Which funny. I find is weird. Like, and it's already pre-clicked for 3 bucks. For $3. <laughs> like, if you're going to pre-put it on there, let's put, like, a tenner on there or something like that. I mean, come on. I put 5 I mean, I appreciate I that, but I, I find that extremely weird. Like, I've, when I I've buy, never seen it before. When I buy tickets to Jay-Z, there's no option to tip him. <laughs> what if I want to tip Jay-Z? People might. He's making a lot more percentage on the ticket sales, but still. Yeah, but, I mean, five bucks is five bucks. That's what I'm saying. Spends the same. Yeah. But, but here, here's what I thought was interesting. The ticket was twelve ninety five, something close to that, maybe fourteen ninety five, whatever it was. The fee was $1.95. Yeah. Which I find, as far as setting up a system and collecting tickets and whatever, $1.95, I think that's reasonable. Correct. As yeah. That to me is okay. I look at that and go, eh, all right, no big deal. Now, we all know it's a little bit different with other. Oh, wait. 
The only other. Yeah, the only other option. Ticketmaster. Ticket you jerks. When my ticket is so, $45 and then I end up paying $95? It, no, it would have been, it would have been, yeah, twelve ninety five ticket, $8 convenience charge. I love the convenience charge. $9. Processing fee? If I print it myself. Correct. So an extra dollar for me to print it myself, for me to do the work. To use your own ink. I have to pay an extra dollar. Yeah. Dear Ticketmaster, you suck. Signed, Barnett. Now, to the point of this, I was sent a note back on August 8th by a gentleman who attended the USA Volleyball events, USA Cup. So, here we go. $7 in fees on a $7 youth ticket for the USA Cup. $8 in fees on a $17 ticket for the adult ticket to USA Cup. You can't be charging close to 50% of the ticket price and fees. 100%. <laughs> uh. So the difference the difference in the ticket pricing is basically 24 and 47. That's nuts. It's totally nuts. And it's attached here. Here you go. Price the ticket, 17. Facility fee, $3. Convenience charge, $5. $25 ticket. From advertising what? How much? $17 ticket turns into a $25 ticket. Yes. For a junior ticket, reserved junior seating, $7 for the ticket. $3 facility fee, $4 convenience charge, $14. Mm. And an order charge. So $39, keep in mind, here we go, ticket prices, 7 and 17, 24, okay? Mm -hmm. Add in $8 on one ticket, $7 on the other in fees, Yep. convenient fees. Then the order charge, a charge to simply place the order, $8. Yeah. $47 total. Yeah. Uh, What? Say what? And where's the tip the team option here? Yeah, exactly. Can you not tip the team? Yeah. Are you kidding me? It's ridiculous. Someone should be at least severely reprimanded for that. Yeah. Come on. $8 on top of your $15 in fees already. It's ridiculous. I'm just happy the suicide doors did not have those kinds of fees. Two bucks, I can deal with it. Three bucks, yeah, yeah. I understand it costs money to upkeep a website. Ticketmaster, you're a leech. You're like lawyers. You suck the earth dry. Yeah, and there's no. I point. hate you. And there's no point for all of them either. I hate you. <laughs> Clip that off. I hate you, Ticketmaster. So, suck it. So you're welcome for not. Uh charging you all those fees to my show hashtag suck it well then then the band gets my five dollars perfect so there you go there you go yeah that's a great point Vinny. we're gonna start charging 25 cent fee per comment on our chat board <laughs> that will really go over well for us um i have one more comment on the nfl thing that i read this week i thought was a great point the NFL brand, people are, well, what about the NFL brand? This and that. I had the games on all day. I watched the Eagles have a complete shootout this week and come out victorious against the Redskins. I enjoyed it quite frequently, or quite a lot. 
And somebody made a good point about if I eat Cheetos, I, it might have been a volleyball person, I forget. Uh, if I eat Cheetos, I don't ask what's inside. Nope. Let me enjoy my football the same way. And they had another good example too. Yeah. Like, I don't really care what's inside. Mm-hmm. Now we could delve off into the the whole issue of representation and sponsors and and role models and blah, blah, blah. There's, a, there's a lot of sticky situations we could get into there. Yeah. Washington Post, somebody posted this this week that I came across, a Washington Post article asking the question, if you're going to suspend these guys, have sponsors diving the other way, trade in jerseys, uh, all the other things that are going on, and I don't necessarily disagree with all of those things. Yeah that are happening in, as it relates to domestic violence and athletes and their participation in their particular sport representing their league as well as their teams and themselves. I don't necessarily disagree with any of those. But the, the point brought up was, what about Hope Solo? Mm. For those that don't know, Hope Solo currently, currently, not a while back, currently involved in a domestic violence Case. Mm-hmm. Okay. With her, like, nephew or something like that, right? Uh, yes. Like that. She she is accused. Okay. She is a- accused and involved, and she's been in court uh, of beating up or punching and, and being quite violent with, to, uh, with her nephew, her niece. I'll find it here. Uh, oh, her half-sister and her 17-year-old nephew. That's what it is. Gotcha. In Kirkland, Washington. Okay. She is awaiting trial. She has been charged with two counts, two counts of misdemeanor domestic violence and alleged assault of her half-sister and 17-year-old nephew mm-hmm. this past summer. She continues to play for the national team. She continues to play for her team in Seattle. And Solo is undoubtedly and is touted by her sponsors as a role model she still has a deal with Nike. Mm-hmm. There is no fan pressure to, quote, suspend her until it's done. In fact, USA Soccer Director of Communications, Neil Buth, no relation to the Buth family of Arrested Development, we are aware that Hope is handling a personal situation at the moment. <laughs> That's how, how is that any different than what was said by the Ravens initially, by some of the coaches for San Fran or Carolina and dealing with those players. How different is that? I don't think it's any different than saying we have to wait and find out. But she's she's still being recognized for her accomplishments on the national team, being celebrated for that. And for me, I don't necessarily disagree that she's still playing. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily disagree with some of the actions that have been taken in the NFL. We're not debating that. Where's the equal treatment in the public eye, male, female in this case? Here's the big difference, Kevin. Publicity. NFL, USA Soccer. So this gets to my question with the NFL, and not only the publicity, the visibility of the NFL, but... This seems to be right now the way that it's going, mm-hmm. the issue du jour, mm-hmm. the outrage du jour. 
without Ray Rice coming back and the videotape coming out, no one cares about Greg Hardy. No one cares about San Francisco guy. This isn't even coming up. This is just people have seized on this. Well, they We're going to s- jump on this. We're going to keep jumping on well, it. Well, and they saw it too. It's one thing when you hear about it, when you actually see it. There's no video of Hope. Correct. Drunk as a skunk. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. Punching, kicking, whatever happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Her half-sister. And again, too. It, it, Hope's got some serious issues, by the way. This is not the first correct. or probably the last problem for her well, hopefully and her ex-NFL husband, Jeremy. Yeah. Um, you hope that, not to use that term, that it's her last incident. Well, I don't wish ill will upon anybody Of here. course. Hey, well, some people, but well, not these folks. Um, it comes down, it, doesn't it come down to money, Kevin? If sponsors and stuff like that weren't upset at the NFL and threatening for whatever, because maybe their consumers are saying to them, how could you sponsor this? There wouldn't be an issue. It's just a, it's an advantage for the sponsor to take too. They had, was it Marriott or Wyndham or whoever the hotel chain was that bowed out last week? Yeah. They'll be back first of all, but they bowed out. And the calculation that I heard was that they, by virtue of them bowing out, the coverage they received, the amount of times their name was mentioned, the amount of times their brand was mentioned in the next 24 hours. Just because of that. Because of that was more than they were able to procure with their advertising budget for the first six months of the year. That's so gnarly. They're doing it because it's advantageous to them, not because they really but does that care re- about does that re- the issue, whatever yeah. that you think the issue is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and again, I understand business side of it. I understand why the NFL is doing what they do. I understand why USA Soccer is handling the situation the way they're handling the situation. Whether well, it's right or wrong or not, I mean, it makes sense. But if you're getting to the double standard of, is this the guy-girl issue? I don't think that's the case. I think it's an NFL-USA soccer issue. Okay. I don't think it's a guy-girl issue. You don't think so? It could be. Beyonce's sub- sister? It could be subconsciously in the mind of the media and stuff like that, the way they're portraying it. But is SportsCenter going to get more coverage talking about Hope Solo or about Ray Rice? I think the whole domestic violence thing and the way that it's trying to be bent in the media, I'm, I'm over it. I'm done with it. Correct. I mean, even last week when we were talking about it, like, because the video came out and stuff like that, people in our chat board were like, oh, I'm tired of, yes, of course we are. Has to be talked about, but maybe not 24-7 like they're doing on SportsCenter. And because they try and bend it, they try and extrapolate it to so many other situations. Well, and you also have these guys, like a lot of commentators and stuff are getting suspended or fired because you're asking them to comment on it. And then you don't like the comment that they make. Right. Which I find. It's like Twitter. And or are they really qualified to talk about it? And if they say something that you don't agree with, that should open up dialogue. If they say something that's ignorant or whatever, it's like, okay, let's open up dialogue and talk to that person about that. And then maybe they can change their point of view as opposed to just suspending them. We'll just sweep them under the rug for a little while and then bring them back. Doesn't doesn't do anything for the issue. This is how Twitter is treated. Yeah. For some of my employers. They tell you they want you on Twitter. We want you out there doing until, but don't, don't do. And then they hand you a sheet of paper that's <laughs> ten pages long. It's, it's like the Christmas list when you open it up from your kid, and it just yeah. So, so this is the don't or the things that could get me fired, reprimanded, in trouble, fined, whatever, affect my career negatively. Mm-hmm. Over here is. 
be on Twitter. Yeah, it's difficult. There's no positives list that falls out like 25 sheets of paper all taped together. Yeah. It is a complete lose-lose for the athlete. Or pardon me, the, the professional broadcaster. It is the completely unimportant, rah-rah, just not going to do anything for my career, and the here you could submarine everything. There's no incentive. Yeah. And I've gotten the speech in eight, in 12, and every year with other organizations. Yeah. Why would I do it? Why would I do it with any substance, I guess, is the question. Why would I do it? Yeah, you know, match coming on, let people know, hey, we're excited. Here's the matchup. Here's whatever it is we're doing. All that's fine. It's just one more way to remind people of something they already know. But as far as giving out information, opinion, making it interesting, giving it some substance, I just want you why to be, would I do it? A lot of it's just advertising. Here's what time well, we're right. on. Here's what you know. That's not, that's not. That's no substance at all. Whatsoever. I know. It's difficult. It's a fine line, Kevin. There's no contribution. And I think we're scared for people to give their real opinions because if everybody disagrees with it, then that's quote-unquote controversy. You know what I'm saying? Well, and you get extrapolated to you you hate women. Correct. Yeah, yeah. You hate minorities. You don't care for this group of people. Uh, I just – I'm over it. I'm, uh, people need to move on and stop trying to apply it to other things. Yeah. You know, I, I don't agree with what Ray Rice did. I never will. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, and and nothing I would say would, no matter how you misconstrue it or 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 interpret it or hear yeah. it, would ever say what Ray Rice did was okay. It's appalling. Correct. You, you cannot punch your wife. I was trying to. My kids were asking about it because obviously they've heard about it. Yeah. And I said, imagine if I got upset with mom, and I just gave her a, a hook to the co- face. Cold cocked her in the kitchen. Yeah. Your kids would lose their minds. Can you imagine? No. No. I mean, just I that scene. Can't. Yeah. I'm in my kitchen. The kids are there eating. And I throw a right hook and knock my wife out. Because she made you a hamburger instead of a turkey burger. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. Just... Agreed. <laughs> Come on. Yes, there's, there's something incredibly wrong there. Does it apply to every other thing, including violence against women on campuses? This didn't occur on a campus. It didn't occur with any students, and it had nothing to do with a university. Correct. But yet, they extrapolate that to that, pro- that issue, which is also a big problem. Yes, I'm not devaluing the problem. That is a huge problem, violence against women on college campuses. If you read the statistics, it is a massive problem. For sure. But again, it's because you're talking about it for 24 hours a day, so it's like, what else, how else can we tie this in? And then there you go. I'm all for weaving a web of, of yeah. intertwined topics. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you got to say to yourself, this doesn't apply to this. This doesn't really equate with this other issue that's so big and so important and such a problem. You can't tie those together. Yeah. I think, and BJ brought it up too, and I was about to say something that when this, all this stuff is talking about, and like everybody, especially the guys on Sports and Her, they're like, I don't condone this. But then there's the undertone of, well, what did she do? You know what I'm saying? And like I've said on the show too, unless somebody is threatening my life, I don't need to physically touch them. Yeah, but there's a difference between Beyonce's sister, what she's doing to Jay-Z in that elevator video. To yeah. take another famous example, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Where she's kicking him and trying to slap him and all this. And, and his reaction there, which is one of physical contact, but one of like, calm that down. Yeah, it was. Like I got to take control of you. 
His seem to me from what I saw was more defensive as opposed to offensive. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it, it, for some reason, because it's fun to have outrage and talk about black and white instead of talking about gray. Yeah. There is the you can never question what the woman has done. Well, of course, if a guy knocks somebody out, if a guy kills a woman, threatens a woman, which you hear about all the time. Yeah. Obviously, there's nothing to provoke the kind of response that Ray Rice gave. Correct. Even maybe a punch. Let's say she punched him in the face. Yeah. Could he punch her in the face? No. No, because there's a a strength issue and whatever. It still wouldn't be okay. People would be more understanding about it. It still wouldn't be okay. But if she had shanked him earlier in the video and you hadn't seen it yet? Yeah. Like I said, life-threatened. It's possible. But... When these, when you see these things go on, there are certain things being done because women are still human beings. Correct. There are certain things being done to elicit a horrible response. Correct. I think the and, proper way to ask that question is would be how did it get to this circumstance? Not what did she do to get to this circumstance? What happened? What were they both doing to get to that point where the end of it was him punching her in the face? The problem, again, is the outrage because – they immediately, if you, if you mention anything about the woman, it's outrage. Rather than, I am not equating a woman wearing a suggestive outfit and getting raped to this situation or to yeah. that situation. Or, mm-hmm. you know, that type of thinking that, oh, this woman was wearing it. She was asking for it. That's, no, no, she was They not. immediately <laughs> jump to that absurd yeah. example of things. Yeah. And there's no discussion, to your point earlier. It shuts off discussion about what is actually at issue because it's hard to deal with the gray. The gray areas is difficult to deal with, and it's easier to just start shouting and yelling and complaining and going 140 characters and being outraged about what's being said and branding someone a misogynist or a a hater or whatever. I decided – I had always said, and I – this came up the other day and I brought it up to Nicole. I was – I started rethinking some things that I had been saying recently. Like I do some events and as I told you about the event concert I went to last weekend where some of the girls' outfits were basically I went to Victoria's Secret, bought an outfit, and this is what I'm wearing to the concert. Okay? And then to me, I kept I was thinking out loud like I'm just concerned for the um, attention that they're going to be getting. Whatever age they are, like if they can handle that attention or not, like I'm concerned for that as coming from a guy. But then I started thinking to myself, maybe it's me that needs to change my mindset or the guys like instead of thinking, oh, I'm concerned about the reaction she's going to get, the guys should be taught you just need to be respectful whatever she's wearing. Does that make sense? Well, that's how it ought to be. No, I agree. But I, I was thinking like myself, even the way I was wording that conversation, I was like, oh, let me rethink how I was wording that. Does that make sense, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, And I would think that's that's more out of a concern for what uncontrolled males are going to do to a girl who's dressed like that. Yeah, where they need to Frankly, be... I quite approve. Obviously. And enjoy seeing women dressed suggestively. And they but should... it's not going to elicit a reaction from me to do something inappropriate to, harm to them. them. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that element exists. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, may, let's say I'm a parent, father. And like I tell my kids, like whatever she's wearing, you respect that regardless. As opposed to me saying, oh, she's wearing that. I'm concerned for the attention that she's going to get. Because those, they're not necessarily two different. Just the way that I'm wording it, I think, gives two different reactions. 
Well, that's what I'm getting at is that they're, they're equating things here that are not the same. So the wearing of a, of a suggestive outfit mm-hmm. is not an invitation for sex. Oh, 100%. It's not. Obviously. They're just they're expressing themselves, but, but it gets interpreted that way by some men, and you have some horrible incidents that happen. And that is wrong. The, if a woman slaps a man, punches a man, kicks a man, you are inviting a response there. You're not going to be surprised if there's a response. No. That that you're getting at a core nature thing and a response thing that is different than, hey, I'm wearing a suggestive outfit and some guy thinking that is going to justify his actions. And I'm not saying the the slapping of somebody justifies them getting knocked out. I'm not drawing that equation nope. either. But there's going but to. But I'm saying that interplay between those things is different than the interplay between – but yet in the media, they are putting those two things together. Correct. I'm with you. And I don't agree with the reaction of the man in Ray Rice's case or people who think it's justified to say she invited it because of these reasons when it comes to issues of sexual assault. Well, the other thing to your point, too, is nobody's asking what Hope Solo's nephew did to elicit her response. Absolutely. That's not in any of the articles. Not one. No, because it's so hard. It would take your attention away from Facebook or Twitter. (laughs) Dang it. To actually... Look into the facts of what happened, read about what happened, and form an opinion based on the individual mm-hmm. act. And what's happening now, too, is the outrage is spiraling to a point where people don't care about the facts. They just care about what the guy's charged with. And, and we made the point. Knew, and who knew what when. And we make the point last week that these guys are targets. We've made the point on the show before. These guys are targets for crazy people. For yeah. crazy people. Yeah, yeah. And it's these guys, and in the case of female entertainers or female athletes, the Monica Sellis incident, she is the target of a flipping crazy person who comes out and stabs her. Yeah. Onto the court. This is not, when you're dealing with what's happening with the the charges of people and the the amount of attention they receive, it is not a male-female thing. It is a celebrity thing in our culture that is happening for both male and female celebrities, that they are getting a lot of unwanted attention from people that are mentally unstable. Yeah. So, anyway, there's a lot of issues there, but uh, I I thought that was a, a good counterpoint to someone to bring that up, and I think the discussion, to Jeremy's point earlier... There should be more discussion, less shouting, and and more gray. you got to talk about the gray. Yep. And you cannot take one situation and extrapolate it to everything else. Each situation is entirely unique and needs to be dealt with in that way. And so, yeah, it may be that Greg Hardy gets to play. It might be that Ray Rice doesn't get to play. Ever again. You know, look, if I saw that video and I'm the coach of the team and, and it's kind of coming out now that John Harbaugh wanted to cut him, yeah, I'm cutting that guy immediately. I'm not helping him. I don't care. He has done something that is so far beyond what I deem acceptable behavior that he's gone. And as a coach or the member of the organization or an owner of a company or whatever, you get to make that choice. Yeah, because that's a little bit different than being like an addict or... Uh, Drinking well, and driving. Yeah, even then. I mean, you drink just, and drive just saying, some people. No, well, that's different too. But I'm just saying, like, those are diseases. I guess. No, it's uh, it, it's something that's going to continue. But I, I thought there was good discussion out there. I hope that some of the mass hysteria fades and that it, it 
we get a return to some sanity and some sane discussion and something that, you know, maybe it doesn't fit a bite. We, we've been on it for 20 minutes. I didn't want to spend five, but yeah. um, at least we get into some other areas where I think we have some substantive discussion rather than just shouting about the top five things that you can yell and then be done and move on. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately that's kind of where things are going. Anyway. anyway. And even if we've said things that have bothered people, I would rather be a discussion as opposed to them. I'll never listen to the net live again. Yeah, but let's be very clear. I think we've been clear, and I think if you interpret it the other way, you're an idiot. Yes. I don't support violence against women no. in any case. <laughs> of course what not. I saw in the video is unimaginable. Yeah. The idea of she asked for it because she dressed sexy and got drunk in a bar. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Get out of here, you slack-jawed yokel. Slack-jawed yokel. 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 Yeah. Sorry. Local. Yeah. Local yokel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just uh, I'm tired of stupidity raining on some of that stuff. Yep. God, you're just an idiot if you think that. All right. We should take a break and come stuff. back and talk about cool stuff. Yeah, let's talk about volleyball. We have the Men's World Championships wrap-up coming up. We have College Volleyball Weekly coming up. Where Are They Now featuring George Romain yes. and AVP Huntington. We have a lot of volleyball to cover. It was a long weekend. I hope this, this little segment of the show was at least somewhat interesting for people. It was. And if you have a reaction, thenetlive at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Send us what you think. Yeah. And hopefully I don't get suspended from any one of my broadcasting gigs this week because of anything I said on this show. No, I thought I was going to get suspended from this show, and I was going to be curious who has the power to do that. Yeah. Because if I could suspend you, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have been suspended multiple times. I'd barely be on shows. Yeah. If you had that power, Jeremy. Dang it. So Net Live, Kevin and Jeremy holding down the home court. We will be right back here on Volleyball Magazine. Only the top four teams make it to the championship round. But who will celebrate the ultimate victory at the NCAA Women's Volleyball Championship? Be there up close to take in all the exciting action. Sit right back at it. And the best way to see it is to experience it live. Could be a big momentum shift. At the 2014 NCAA Women's Volleyball Championship, December 18th and 20th at Chesapeake Energy Arena in Oklahoma City. Affordable tickets available. Go online at NCAA.com slash volleyball and reserve your seats today.
Nicely done, Jeremy. Yep. Solid. Welcome back to the Net Live, brought to you by our sponsors. The AVCA does a nice job supporting this show, as well as Volleyball Magazine, who hosts this program, and 6-8 Clothing Company has come on board this year. They are out of Seattle, Washington, host of last year's Final Four. They came to conventions, set up a booth, and exposed the volleyball world to their product. This is a men's apparel company for the tall and athletic man. This is something that we have needed for a long time. Anybody 6'3 and above, they can now find clothes that actually fit. They don't have to push their jeans down to a dangerously low level just to make an inseam appear somewhat normal. You don't have to roll up sleeves in order to make your so-called on your so-called long sleeve shirt. 6'8 Clothing Company makes clothes that will fit and make your man look good. Jeremy, I was rocking 6'8. You were your Thursday. Saw it. Yeah. Trying to look a little stylish. Thanks to 6-8 for that. Dress well, live tall. 6-8 Clothing Company available online at 6-8clothingcompany.com. Also available on Amazon. Remember, that is the number 8 in their web address, 6-8clothingcompany.com. And if you put in TNL10, that'll bust you off 10% in nice. your order. So check them out. And we appreciate them being a part of this show. We appreciate you, the listener, being a part of this show. And whether you're getting us live, I see a lot of people here listening live. That's a lot of fun. Or on demand via our player on Volleyball Magazine. You can also download us on iTunes. We put the feed up on iTunes after each program. And sometimes we even have audio fixes on there. Jeremy, we might this week. And we put a feed up there for you to listen to. And you can enjoy the program. Be sure and interact with us at thenetlive at gmail.com or... The net live slash facebook.com and also Twitter. Any one of those ways. Yeah. Let us know what you think about some of the things we have talked about. If you feel like you can't get to us, you can. Hey, women's world champs coming up. Champions. Champions. Women's world champs about to get underway. Saw some good stuff from uh, coaches who are overseas right now getting ready. Marv Dunphy over there. David nice. Hunt nice. over there mm-hmm. helping out. They, uh, they're practicing. They're in Italy and they are ready for their upcoming matches. It will be happening uh, soon. We detailed the schedule last week. I'm going to find it here. I don't, have it. I don't have it committed to memory just yet, but perhaps soon. September 23rd. They are in Verona. So we're looking at, uh, what, two days? Today, 21st? 22nd. 22nd. Tomorrow. So soon because they're nine hours ahead. So we're looking at uh, the countdown right now for the number two ranked USA women. They'll face Mexico, then Kazakhstan, the Netherlands, Thailand, and Russia in round one. So good luck, ladies. We hope that uh, that your event goes a little bit better than the men. So the men were close. We hope that you end up in the final round. And we will continue to update progress on that. And I don't know what the plan is for broadcasting it. I saw some people very happy that Paul Sunderland was finally being featured on the broadcast this last week. And they said, oh, they finally changed him out. I go, no, they actually picked up the FIVB feed because Paul was doing the FIVB feed. That was the big change. Saw a lot of the men's uh, national team in Huntington Beach this weekend. Yeah, taking a little break. Yep, came through, working on their tans a little bit before they have to go to wherever they have to go. It comes soon. Yep. They should be gone nearly immediately. I think uh, the life of a, a professional volleyball player is not an easy one. Not at all an easy one. Those guys maybe come home for a few days, and they have to quickly turn around and take off. We have College Volleyball Weekly coming up here in just a second. Brandon Rosenthal, he will be calling in. And, uh, I hope we have Vinny. Vinny's on there. 
things we'll in the chat room. Vinny as well. Uh, you guys can go ahead and call in, and we'll get uh, we'll get that started. But uh, we'll have the new poll from the AVCA, and I, I'm kind of stalling because I don't want to get into our recaps here, Jeremy. We have a lot of good information on World Champs. It was a, a tremendous event, and AVP Huntington, obviously the conclusion, great event of the AVP season. Uh, just tell me about attendance while we're here. Attendance was fantastic. I ended up. Uh Dustin and I worked the Thursday. They had the AVP Next Championship. So there were uh, regions around the country that had, you know, AVP Next tournaments, and the winners of all those regions came out um, and had the AVP Next Championship winners on the men's side and women's side automatically into the main draw, along with the qualifier on Thursday as well. So Dustin and I were down there working the event on Thursday. So did that. Um, Attendance was great on Thursday for, you know, qualifier. And then Friday morning, you know, there it's a little bit overcast. Sun's not fully out. It's warm, it's hot, and muggy. Great crowds on Friday too. Like Friday afternoon around one thirty, I was like, "What? There are a lot of kids here. How come you aren't in school?" <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your being here. Did you get out early today? Um, but attendance was great. I looked over, uh, as you know, like Fridays and Saturdays. Now I am my booth is on the outer court, so I'm not inside the stadium. Mm-hmm. And then Sunday I move over to the stadium, but I could see some of the stadium from where my DJ booth was on Friday and Saturday. Sixty, seventy, eighty percent full at certain times during the day. Nice. Along with the outside courts, you know, standing room only around out there too. It's great. Nice. Seemed like a great way to end the season, fan wise, tournament wise. Southern California, Huntington Beach. It felt. Uh, it, Felt like a good conclusion to the season. I don't feel like it should be over yet because it's still we're in Southern California. The sun's out; it's warm out. I have shorts and t-shirt on. I don't feel like summer's over, but apparently people keep telling me it is. Uh, yeah, it's it's over everywhere else. No. You know, it's already been cold. Sucks for everywhere else. Back in the Midwest. Yeah, it's already been chilly, like in the forties some days. It's not good here. It'll be hot again this week. Not not uh, cataclysmically hot. Not Africa hot. Correct. Like it was a week ago, but uh, but it will be definitely hot once again. And we really don't tip into fall until middle November. Yeah, sometimes beginning November, but it's generally seventy degrees on Halloween. Well, for me too. I have people are obviously they're like summer's over. I'm, I will be in Phoenix next week, where it'll probably be ninety. Mm-hmm. And then the week after that, I will be in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, for the Emerald Coast Volleyball Week, Fud Puckers Tournament. Where is that? Fort Walton Beach, Florida, Panhandle, near Panhandle, okay. not too far away from Panama City. Okay. Only two hours ahead of California, if that helps you any time zone-wise. In the Panhandle? Interesting. Yep. On a Midwest time. Correct. Must be the edge of that thing. Over by Alabama? Close to Alabama, New Orleans, uh, Louisiana. Gulf Shores. Yep. Gulf Shores, cool place. Um, so I will be there for another volleyball tournament. So after that, then maybe I'll start getting out of the summer's over. Then your summer's over. Yeah. Because the, the day after I get back from that tournament, Clippers start. It's a lot of late season volleyball. I love it. I actually, you know, I question whether it's a good business move for the AVP to be playing volleyball this late in the calendar because the rest of the country is out of summer mode. Well, and you have football yeah. to compete with as well, too. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody cares about AVP when the NFL is on or college baseball or college football. But I like it as a volleyball fan. I like that they've kind of extended yeah. the season where you get to watch some volleyball. Otherwise, we're kind of sitting in between. We have women's college starting, but there's no other domestic professional thing. Well, there's always been talk, too, of do you just do volleyball between Memorial Day and Labor Day? Sure. It's like white pants. Volleyball is white pants. (laughs) Correct. But 
some of it obviously would be scheduling. Mm-hmm. Can you get them all in? No, you can't because you have the FIVB and that stuff going on as well too. Right. There's only so many weekends. Yeah. And then, I, you know, I was concerned if you read my article in Volleyball Magazine online mm-hmm. about what the attendance was going to be in Atlantic City this year because it's the weekend after Labor Day. Right. And obviously the hotels are closed down around it. But amazing fan turnout. I have no idea what the TV viewership is. I have no clue. Um, but as far as attendance at the events prior to Memorial Day and after Labor Day, fantastic. Well, that's good. And that's been kind of the, the theme here with the AVP this year. Yeah, somebody asked – I think you may have asked a couple of weeks ago on the show, and I necessarily have, probably have the best answer because I didn't know yet. But thinking about it since then, has this year been better than last year was basically the question you asked me. Mm-hmm. And the answer is yes because I feel the more often you do stuff, the better you get at it. So you have the same staff from last year that was there this year, and you know everybody's better at their jobs and knows more what they're doing and what more to expect. But I feel like the fan – Fan attendance was great last year, but I I don't know what it is about this year. I don't know if they're accepting the fact that the AVP is back. Like they're not in the, oh, I'll kind of still wait and see mode, you know? And they're like, okay, it's back. Great players, you know, fun atmosphere. Like they're starting to give whatever benefit of the doubt they didn't have before. Mm-hmm. They may have – they're like, okay, yeah, I'm committed again. You know, like when you just broken up in a relationship – and you're getting into a new one, like at first you'd be like, hmm, I don't know. And then after a while you gain that person's trust and stuff like that. And you're like, okay, yeah, I'm in. I'm fully in. So I feel, you know, it, w- it was a good, it was, a, for me at least, I felt it was a better season than last year. Good. Yeah. We will get more into Huntington in a second. Do we have our guys? Yeah, they hate us. Where are they? Uh-huh. Vinny, let's go. Let's get there's, this done. There's one. 615. Yep. Hit it. Hit the music. So I was lounging in my chair. I'm sick of waiting. <laughs> oh, hello. Whoa. Yeah, you did hit the music. You asked for it. Welcome in a big way to College Volleyball Weekly with the support of the American Volleyball Coaches Association. We here at the Net Live enjoy bringing you each and every week a recap of what happened and a look forward to what will be in the world of college volleyball. Still the women here in the fall just about to have conference play starting. The pre-conference schedule is over. There it goes. That's a sign you're on into fall as that conference play is going to begin. Big Ten, Pac-12, WCC, ACC, SEC, wherever you may be, watch your favorite team take on some hated rivals. It's coming up. We have a couple of guys who I'm not sure they are hated rivals. They're more of cooperative teammates. Brandon Rosenthal. And do we have Vinny Lopes? Yep. All right, gentlemen. Boys, how are you? We're good. It's nice and warm. It's a pleasure. Guys, uh, I, I'm looking at the results here from last week. Of course, uh, this is it. We're going to league play coming up here. Pac-12 tips over. I give Arizona, Arizona State coming up on Wednesday, the opening match of Pac-12 play for the both of them. But this past week, you guys were talking a lot about Wisconsin, and they were going to have a couple of Pac-12 matchups against USC and Washington. Ended up being a split. Wisconsin defeats USC 3-1 and loses to Washington 3-2. Thoughts on that match, Rosenthal? I just think Wisconsin is the real deal. I mean, uh, to go out there and get a split and, you know, again, I'm sure Sheffield's not pumped about losing, but uh, 
you know, losing in five, fifteen, twelve to a good, very good Washington team is is by no means a bad week. Uh, you know, and then obviously beating USC, they've got a tough match coming up on Wednesday against Penn State at home, and uh, there's no doubt that that place will be rocking. I have never been to Madison. I've only heard absolutely awesome things about it, and. You know, Sheffield continues to uh, not only do good things on the court, but also getting the fans involved. And I have no doubt that that place will be rocking. And let me just on a side note, uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but Purdue played their tournament in their basketball arena this past weekend. And the pictures were awesome. I'm talking 8,000 strong to a uh, weekend tournament, and props to uh, Shondell and his crew out there and uh, for packing the Mackey. I think it was called Pack the Mac, and uh, 8,000. Purdue's got probably, arguably, the best student section in the country, and uh, it's great to see when uh, women's college volleyball is moving into the bigger arenas because they can, because they need to. Uh, 8,000 is, is impressive. Yeah, Brandon, and going off a little bit, you know, I really would love to see the ABCA ask Shondell to do a uh, session in their upcoming convention just about getting your players out in the community and interacting. One of the cool things that Purdue does every single year is during move-in day or during the first two days of the semester, they'll actually have all their players coming out to the freshman dorm. They'll have a gigantic barbecue. That way you have a bunch of freshmen new to the school. Their first people they're meeting is the women's volleyball team, and you're getting these fans basically from week one that they're at West Lafayette. It also doesn't hurt that the uh, football team is no good there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they got to have somebody to root for in the fall. No, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know how the football team is. They have not traditionally been good in the past. But, uh, is that Drew Brees territory? And his crew for getting it done. Isn't Drew Brees a Purdue product? Wasn't it him who set all the records back yeah, at Purdue back in the day? And that was about the last time Purdue was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, their, hel- their helmets look kind of cool. I like the gold and black. That's good stuff. Uh, yeah, definitely innovative stuff happening there at Purdue, and I always like innovative coaches and grabbing the freshmen as they arrive with free food. Uh, good plan. Excellent excellent identification of your marketplace and what the uh, the break point is with them or what the important uh, tilting point is with your audience. Food. Feed the freshmen. Uh, guys. Uh, Food and women. <laughs> and tall, I mean, attractive ladies. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Wisconsin, I can tell you one thing. You've never been there, Brandon, but definitely my buddy Bucky Badger will be present. And uh, I, I just – one of these days I would love – I want to know if they sell Bucky Badger shirts. And I don't mean, like, something with Bucky on it. I mean, like, his actual striped sweater. I want his striped sweater. Why don't, why don't we do this? I've got a better plan. Let's get oh. you up to Madison. Let's get you up to Madison. Let's do a little remote, and let's have you be Bucky the Badger for a match. Oh, that would be amazing. The shirt's going to look like a half shirt. I would say they're going to have to do some uh, alterations. Let's call 6A clothing. We'll do some alterations on the mascot. 6A mascots. Do you have 6A8mascot.com? Are you backing down from this? I will be Bucky the Badger. Yes. If you can arrange flight and lodging, I am Bucky the Badger. Tell Sheffield to bring me in. Um, I'm calling Sheffield right now. 
I'm texting him as we talk. So okay. next question has got to start with Vinny because I am working <laughs> as I always do for you. Very good. I appreciate your agency. Uh, all right, Vinny, in, uh, in case because uh, that's happening, here we go. Colorado State, number eight, over ASU, number 18, 3 2. Not a surprising result, but my question is this Does ASU rise or fall anywhere in the rankings because of that loss? Even though it's expected eight and eighteen, could they even rise based on the three-two against the number eighteen? Yeah, I think that's going to be a little bit tough to see them rise after a loss. Even though when you kind of logically think about it, if you're number eighteen, you lose to number eight or what have you, you know that difference. Yeah, you should rise. You know, if I'm the one voting, I probably keep them right where they are. I don't think that they rise, but I can't see the fall being that dramatic. I mean, I couldn't imagine them dropping out of the top twenty-five. All right, we'll have to. We're still waiting on the ABCA poll. Typically, comes out right during this segment, but we will see what happens there from the folks at the ABCA. Another team that I had some questions about played ASU this week. Uh, Pepperdine goes down three zero to the Sun Devils, and Pepperdine now sinks to five and seven on the year under new head coach Troy Tanner. I will see them in a couple of weeks, but 2013, last year of Nina Matthews, uh, fifteen and eleven overall, nine and nine in the WCC. Uh, Five and seven, do we expect this kind of start out of the waves? Should be they be concerned with this kind of start? Uh, what what are your thoughts on the waves, Vinny? You know, for me, I necessarily wouldn't be too concerned. You know, Obviously, anytime you have a new coach come in, there's always going to be a little bit of transition. And, you know, Kevin, as you all know, Pepperdine's a school rich in volleyball tradition. They're going to turn around, especially for conference play, and they've played a relatively decent non-conference schedule as well with that record. Yeah, I'm looking at their non-conference schedule here thus far. They've played Creighton, Wichita State. Both of those are good opponents. Uh, UC Irvine, they had a loss there, 3-2. Utah State, 3-2. They've played, let's get it here, 1-2-3, three 3-2 matches. They've actually won all of those. They have not lost in five. Uh, but they do have some losses here. They played Colorado State, who's an excellent team. They lost team. to Irvine in five. They lost to Ir- oh, they lost to Irvine in five. Oh, that's right. Okay. They listed it lost, but still 3-2. I have to do the math in my head, I guess. All right, so we will we will keep our eye on the waves. Uh, who else jumped out this week at you, Brandon, when you went through uh, the results? North Carolina. I mean, I've been talking about them for weeks, and they continue to do some great stuff. Uh, <clears throat> they play Oklahoma at home and win in four. And, uh, you know, I think they should move up. You know, they're sitting right now at 13th. I truly believe they're a top-ten team. Uh, their results kind of prove it. And, uh, you know, they're going to have a huge test coming up this week. They play Florida State at Florida State on Friday. Uh, it's going to be a, a tough challenge, and right out of the gate, this is a you know this is a, be a matchup of the top two ACC teams right now. Uh, so that's great to see, uh, you know, coming out of there. The other thing that uh, the other team that's probably a little bit down the list, but a team we've got to talk about is Marquette. Uh, Marquette who beats Florida. They continue to knock off teams. Uh, they lose a tough one against Florida State, uh, you know, 15-13. So Marquette is a team not to sleep on. This is this is a team that's going to mess up somebody's day, I promise you. Uh, it's going to be a little bit before they get into some meaningful matches. Uh, probably the first true test is going to be Creighton uh, at home, and that's going to be uh, October 4th, uh, Saturday, October 4th, and then they'll play Xavier the following week. So they got a couple weeks before they get into anything meaningful, but Marquette, put it on your radar.
All right, new poll just out. Vinny, let me give you the poll first, then continue here. Stanford still number one. Texas still number two. Penn State still number three. Penn State put up some more shills for the week I saw here. They crushed DePaul, Eastern Illinois, East Carolina, and Illinois of Chicago. Uh, not terribly impressive there as far as Penn State goes. They but took care of the whole state of Illinois, huh? Yeah, it's just, it was Penn State versus Illinois, and uh, count the land of Lincoln on the losing side of that. Uh, Washington fourth up from fifth. Then you have Wisconsin. So Wisconsin and Washington flip-flop based on that 3-2 win for the Huskies. Florida State, Colorado State, Nebraska, USC uh, moves up. Florida at 10, BYU 11. There you go, Brandon. North Carolina moves up one. They move up to 12. Oregon, Kentucky, Purdue rounding out your top 15. Vinny, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm going off what Brandon said, I think the match that stood out for me over the weekend was Texas going on up to Lincoln, Nebraska, and winning in five games against the Cornhuskers. You had Haley Eckerman coming up with 20 kills. And, you know, if you're Texas, you have to be excited about this victory, especially the depth that they showed in that match with so many players contributing. And then if you're in Nebraska, I mean, I'm not big in hitting the panic button. We haven't even started conference play. But I would say this about Nebraska right now. You look at their non-conference schedule, they had really kind of three big games that you would circle on there, and they lost all three. Now, am I saying that Nebraska's not going to make the NCAA tournament? Of course not. You know, this is a top 25 team. But a little disconcerting that they couldn't win at least one of those kind of big non-conference matches. Hey, hey Vinny, isn't uh, Texas-Nebraska, isn't that rekindling of an old conference warfare before everything got shuffled? Yeah, during the good old days, oh, yeah. <laughs> Barnett, let's talk about your boy in Brooklyn, Kyle Robinson, coming up with another upset this year. LIU? Uh, you know, they've beat, yeah, LIU, Brooklyn. Brooklyn, where you at? Uh, so far this year, they beat Alabama. They beat Michigan State. And they go in and beat Western Kentucky. And I know everybody might say Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky's legit. Go back and look at the history. They continue to be a good team. So, LIU Brooklyn needs a little pub. I'm giving it to them. Uh, you know, Robinson, K-Rob, doing a nice job there. And uh, keep up the good work. Love your hair. Wish I had it. Not enough to even get him some votes here as I go through. Also receiving votes outside the top 25, Duke, Kansas State, Marquette, Appalachian State, Michigan State, Northwestern, SMU, Iowa State, Wyoming, Oklahoma, St. Louis, and CSUN. CSUN stepping in there. They had a, a good victory this week. Yeah, and, and, you know, CSUN actually played really well in the loss to Stanford. They lost in three. But, you know, of those receiving votes, Kevin, the team that I also want to point out is SMU. You know, you look at this team right now, they're 11-1. Granted, you know, they haven't played necessarily the highest, toughest non-conference schedule. Probably their biggest wins are against Nebraska and Georgia. But they have started off the season very well. They have a great setter. They have a great center, Arvey Archer, who got All-American accolades last season, honorable mention All-American accolades. I really think that this is a team that could potentially run the table in their conference or only have one, two losses. And they, you know, have the potential to maybe get a NCAA tournament victory come November when you're filling out your bracket. Uh, that victory for CSUN, they defeated number 19, University of San Diego, USD. USD falls to 24. It seems like a team that's uh, kind of on the ropes a little bit there, Brandon Rosenthal. Yeah, the WCC is going to be one of those conferences. I'm just not sure exactly what's going on there. 
Uh, LMU doing some nice stuff recently, but I think it's going to be kind of a bloodbath when it gets into uh, to conference. Uh, looking at the schedule right now, LMU's 12 and 0, doing a nice job with wins over UCLA, the aforementioned LIU, Brooklyn, UC Santa Barbara, uh, and then. Actually, Santa Barbara beat Santa Clara, San Diego, obviously we just talked about, uh, and then Pepperdine. So this is one of those conferences that traditionally puts three to four teams in, and I'm not sure if this is going to be one of those years where maybe they just get one team. Uh, it will be kind of strange, but uh, I think if you go to the other coast, the ACC is going to pull more teams uh, than the WCC, I think, for sure. All right, Stanford stays at number one with 53 first-place votes. Texas gets six first-place votes, and somebody voted Washington number one. They sit at number four. No one else getting first-place votes, and dropping out was Michigan State. They fall out with LIU Brooklyn beating them. Guys, let's look forward a little bit. Somebody already mentioned Penn State and Wisconsin. Brandon, what else should I be watching this week besides the match I'm getting paid for, Arizona-Arizona State? Well, of course, we've got to see your beautiful hair and what color kind of tie you put together and all that fun stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I like the, the match Kansas versus Oklahoma. Oklahoma just on the outside uh, of the top 25. Kansas kind of in the mix there. So uh, I'll be interested to see Kansas going down to Oklahoma, see what the Santiago's got for uh, Ray Ray and the uh, Jayhawks. That's one of the matches that I'm looking at. Also, Hawaii is another one. Um, you know, they've been at home the whole time, basically. Uh, I don't know if either one of these teams, UC Davis or UC Riverside, are, are formidable opponents for them, but they have to go on the road for the first time. You know, they're, they've played 11 matches at home. Pretty nice way to start, but go on the road and kind of go through that rigors uh, of traveling. I wonder what it's going to be like, you know, to get them out of the friendly confines of the Stan Sheriff uh, arena. So where Penn State dominated Illinois, now it's Hawaii versus the UC system of California. Very good. Vinny. That's right. And then, you know, for me, what I'm really interested to see is the start of the Pac-12 season. You look at how well the Pac-12 teams have performed in non-conference play. Right now, Colorado has the worst record in the Pac-12, and they're 8-4. and four. So I'm huh. really intrigued to see how the, these Pac-12 teams are going to do moving forward. And one team in particular, I don't think that they're going to make it to the NCAA tournament. I'm just intrigued to see how they do. It's going to be Oregon State with the fact that they went 9-22 and last year, and they've already surpassed their win total from last year. They're 10-1 and on, on the season. I'm kind of intrigued to see what this team is going to do in Pac-12 playing. Can they possibly pull off one or two upsets? OSU, 10-1, Terry Laskevich. I mean, his name has been mentioned by some folks as being on the hot seat up there. Uh, who knows how true that is or isn't. We'll see if, see if OSU can stay healthy this season. Always a question uh, the last couple of years for the Beavs. So what matches Barnett, do you have here? Big 12 or Big 10 action. Uh, we've got Penn State at Minnesota. So Penn State's got a tough, uh, tough weekend. They've got to go to Wisconsin, and then they've got to go to Minnesota. So uh, a tough stretch for Penn State and some good home matches for Minnesota and Wisconsin. And I have yet to hear from Sheffield, so uh, I'll keep you updated. <laughs> More to come on the Barnett as Bucky. All right. Vinny, uh, any other matches we should know about or we get you guys out of here? 
I, I think we're good. You know, there is one bit of a broader question that I did want to bring up, and this kind of got, got me thinking um, during your session as I was kind of watching the Florida State-Clemson um, football game on Saturday. You look at Florida State right now and the job that Chris Poole has done. Fantastic job. You know, they had two big wins over the weekend against Texas A&M, building up that program. But if you kind of look right now, the face of Florida State is Jameis Winston with kind of some of the off-field problems that he's had. And it's a, I'm just wondering – and, you know, this is kind of a broad question. When you have someone who's the face of your university like that, how much more difficult is that for someone to recruit players when that face of your university isn't the most reputable person in the community? And it's just an interesting question that I had. I don't know if that might be something worth discussing, maybe in a broader topic later on. Well, when it comes to dollar figures, somebody sent me uh, this week. I'm getting to it right now. Here we go. Um, oh, jeez. His phone is killing me. Florida State made a school record $4.58 million in merchandise royalties last year, up from $3 million the year before. So that's $1.58 million in, in extra merchandise royalties. Thanks, Scott Perkins, for that. Uh, so I would say uh, they really don't care because you got another $1.8 million in the coffers. So it doesn't matter even if somebody does stand up in the cafeteria and yell something stupid. Yeah, I think uh, for Florida State volleyball, uh, <clears throat> the publicity is is obviously not good, but it's not bad either. Their name is being uh, mentioned all over the place all the time. Uh, I would imagine they have to, you know, touch upon it versus on visits and things like that. But I mean, you can't buy that that uh, just mentions. I just wonder if perhaps uh, Jameis Winston, when his coach, Jimbo Fisher, introduces him at uh, events or maybe to people out there in public, he says, this is Jameis Winston. He shouts swear words and unacceptable things about women in uh, the cafeteria. Because Marv, for a while, introduced me as this is Kevin Barnett. He throws food in the cafeteria because I got in trouble for getting a food fight at day. Pepperdine. <laughs> I was there that day. Yeah, that was Marv a good food Dump, fight. He walked up and stopped the potential food fight just by walking in. It was unreal. Not not potential. It was already it was already happening. Uh, thanks a lot, Nikki, for that one. Nicole Taylor, thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, she did not have the supermodel. She did have uh, cherry tomatoes in her hair. Not the supermodel. This is the girl from Utah. All right, gentlemen. Thank you very much for being here. Appreciate it. We'll see you next week. Thank you, guys. All right, Vinny and Brandon checking out on College Volleyball Weekly here. We have George Romain coming up shortly here on the Net Live. And, uh, Brandon, I want to switch gears here real quick because we've got to get all this stuff in. You mean Jeremy? Uh, Jeremy, yeah. i got to switch gears because uh, – I still have my hair. Boom. 23 days, <laughs> yeah. one, one winner. Yep. Poland wins at home. Good for them. Poland takes home the world champions championships. They win over Brazil – 1825, 25-22, 25-23, 25-22 to beat Brazil. This is great for volleyball. Period. This is fantastic for volleyball. The same way I want Japan to do well because it's good for volleyball in the mm-hmm. business of volleyball. Mm-hmm. Poland is even better. I'm even more excited that Poland is playing well. I think you will see more events in Poland. I I hope you see more events in Poland. This is only the second time that a host has won the world championships? What was the other time? And I don't know the answer. Has anybody tweeted it to you? No, no one has. I haven't gotten any emails. The year was 1966. Do you no. know what, what team it was? Take a stab in the dark. Give me a hint. No, take a stab in the dark. 
won their host. 1966. Brazil. No. No. What was your second pick? Us. No. No. 1966, Czechoslovakia won as host. The only previous host to win. Wouldn't have gotten that. And as far as all-time records go, most titles? You have any idea who the most titles? No. I didn't didn't cheat this time, Kevin, so I I don't know. Soviet Union has the most titles. Uh Now, here's an interesting fact. Poland breaks the streak of either Italy or Brazil winning world championships from 1986 until a couple days ago. Who won in 1986, Jeremy? Think about the timing. Think about what you know. Think about your knowledge. This one's gettable for you. Who won the 1986 World Championships, the last time anybody but Italy or Brazil won that event, which happens every four years? Oh, 86? 86. Yes. Correct, Jeremy. Way to go. USA won in 1986. Oh, and I didn't see BJ write it down before I said it. Thank uh, you. I did not cheat. Everything's in no, question now. It's I totally in question. Cheat. I did not cheat. BJ wrote that press release. That's kind of cheating, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, Poland's only loss in this tournament, they won seven consecutive to take the victory. Mm-hmm. They'd won six consecutive before that. Wow. Do you know who beat them? Do you remember who beat them? No, I don't. Yeah, the United States. Yeah, there you go. In the second round. Uh, Germany takes home third place. They have a 3-0 victory over France, 21, 24, and 23. Close match there. Yeah. Stefan Antiga is the first-year coach for Poland. He just retired, French athlete. He now has some pretty good job security, I would think, having won that with his Polish team. Prize money, 200K to the winner, 100K to second, 75 to third. And prize money for individuals. Marouche, I don't, I'm not sure if that's correct because I'm not doing the tournament. Lazley. Okay. Okay. Lasley, sorry if I'm getting it wrong. I didn't look it up in my notes. Yes. He was MVP of Poland. He was Poland uh, uh, opposite. He was also top scorer. He was the MVP and top scorer. That takes home 30 grand and 10 grand respectively. $40,000 payday for him. Congrats. Brazil. Just two losses in the tournament. Poland with one, Brazil with two. Mm-hmm. Both to Poland, 3-2 and 3-1. That's, uh, that's pretty interesting. Poland, fifth two-time winner of world champs. These are a lot of numbers I'm throwing at you. Yeah. Last time they won. Jeremy, what year? <laughs> I can't. 74. Okay. year I was born. They won in Mexico. They were runner-up in 2006 to Brazil. Okay. And now they are the champs. So two, two titles, two golds and a silver for Poland. Here's how good it was in Poland, okay? You better get used to eating gelatin in cabbage yeah. cabbage together, you know? Cabbage and gelatin, I guess. 62,000 people watched that opening match. We talked about it here. Yep. We tweeted pictures. It was pretty awesome against Serbia. Total attendance over the 23 days. And this, these are real numbers. This isn't fictitious BS. I, I counted the uh, five workers that were here and multiplied them by 20. This is actual attendance, 563,263, smashing the 300,000-some-odd record mm. of before. 500-plus thousand people, more than 550,000 people watching the events in Poland. Simply incredible. And what does all this mean? Well, I can tell you, I think Poland perhaps is who they thought we thought they were. I'm sad that I messed that up. Maybe Poland finally is who we thought they were. Yes. Because they were pretty good coming in 2012 and a little disappointing in the London Olympic Games. I thought they were the dark horse to take the gold. They lost to Bulgaria. They lost to Australia. Poland, hello? Hello, Poland. Go, Poland. (laughs) 
Then they lost 3-0 convincingly, 17-23-21, to eventual champions Russia in the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. So I, I, maybe Poland's back on track. Maybe they are back on track. I hope they are back on track. That was an update from Brandon Rosenthal from Kelly Sheffield of Wisconsin. Let me see what I can do. Yes. <laughs> uh, so congratulations to Poland. Congratulations to the sport of volleyball. Congratulations to the sport of volleyball for that one. Yeah. I only hope the women's tournament is as successful. We posted a link on our Facebook page, universalsports.com. We'll be live streaming it. Just the women's? It. Yes. I imagine that's going to include the English commentator and Paul Sunderland. That would be my guess. Cool. And so that link's on our page with a schedule and stuff like that. Good. Facebook.com forward slash the night live. Good. I, I think you may have heard the last of the BN Sports commentators. <laughs> we will see. Cam Kerr says he will also be streaming it live, volleysource.net. Do we get that in Canada? You can't get that here. Yeah. And ignoring all BN Sports commentary. <laughs> and the later rounds may be on TV, apparently. BN Sports, thanks for trying. I knew you didn't want to pay what I cost, so thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Got to talk to Terry Baidu. That was kind of cool. Terry Baidu of World Sport fame <laughs> called me. I was like, Terry Baidu, I know you. I know you. Man, I got lots of cricket info from you back in the day. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it costs money for people to come there. Sunderland gets paid to go there a lot more than other people have been paid. It happens. My favorite part of the FIVB articles yeah. was their self-promotion. That Poland took home all these things, the title, all the, some of the numbers we mentioned, and a, quote, stunning new trophy. Yeah. <laughs> a stunning new trophy. Stunning. Designed by the FIVB. Stunning. Stunning. I was I was stunned. Yes. And, and I was stunned to find out that I haven't talked to our next guest in uh, so many years. And it's been Fellow so alum. long. Fellow alum, Kevin? Since he played. Uh-huh. Yes. An alumni of my time both at Pepperdine as well as the national team. This is perhaps the largest human to have ever put on a USA volleyball jersey. Six foot eight, 255 pounds, a mountain of a man. He could run backwards faster than you can run forwards. He could touch over 12 feet. He had his talents taken first from Florida to California for the senior year of high school and then club nationals. Then he would go on to a career at Pepperdine. I believe he's two-time national player of the year in appearance in the national title game. He would then come on to the national team and be starting opposite for the team in 2000 and a team at World Cup who played very well the year before. I remember an epic matchup with Russia, undefeated USA and Russia coming in 5-0 and each in that tournament. This guy played for the national team for a number of years, including in 2000, then moved to the beach where he and Jason Ring became the Smash Brothers, the most exciting warm-up team in the history of volleyball. If you wanted to see... A volleyball crushed on the beach. These were your guys. And then he had to retire to real life. So we've dug him up. We've pulled him off the scrap heap. We wanted to know what happened with George Romaine. So he joins us here now on the Net Live. George. Kevin, how are you? Hey, man. Good to hear from you. You know, I was, I was thinking about you the other day. I've seen lots of cool biking photos, and I've seen a surfing photo on what must be a 12-foot wave, perhaps somewhere in Fiji. I'm not sure. Uh, looks like lots of good stuff happening in your post-career life. We lose him? Hold on. Did you one. mute him? No, I didn't. 
Blog Talk Central. I'm here. Can you hear there me? We, there we go. George. Okay. So I'm here. Lots of good stuff happening in your post-career life. Tell us about uh, what you're up to right now. What I'm up to right now. Oh, by the way, hello, uh, DJ Roche. I yes, miss George. You, man. you too, bud. I miss you too, Kev. <laughs> After Jim. Those are some fun years on the beach for sure. Um, what I'm up to now, gosh, um, I am, uh, I'm a family man. I've got, uh, I've got a three and a half year old daughter, lovely wife. And, uh, she actually went to Pepperdine and, uh, she majored in sports medicine, but, uh, she won't help me out with any of my rehab. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 it's just kind of one of those things where you marry a masseuse and she won't massage you because she's tired from all her clients. But, um, but, uh, anyhow, yeah. And, uh, we're out here over in uh, Thousand Oaks area, and uh, a little skip over to the beach or to Malibu. I got I got to drop by and say hello to Marv one of these days. Yeah, you can't catch him right now. He's off with the women's national team. Sadly, I will miss him this next week when I'm doing Pepperdine because he will still be in Italy. Uh, that's great, you know, a daughter oh, and everything gotcha. Uh, gotcha. after after your career. That's fantastic. Uh, what are you doing for work? I I am a consultant and also a distributor for a, uh, for a company called Beachbody. We do uh, P90X, P90X3, uh, uh, basically all the infomercials you see. Uh, that's that's all of our stuff, and uh, I do all the marketing for them as well. Nice. How come we haven't seen you in the commercial? How come we haven't seen Big George up there uh, doing you know P90X? What? It, it was it, <laughs> it was pretty funny um, when I first started working there. I was probably the heaviest I've ever been. And um, I, I was probably a shocker, 327 pounds. What? Wow. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I might have to tweet a p- picture out here shortly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was um, – and the president of the company is a big uh, CBVA um, uh, player. He's uh, His name is John Cogden. He, I basically uh, just hit him up on Facebook and say, hey, I'm, I'm looking for a job. And, and he's like, hey, you know, just submit your resume and kind of go through the process, kind of what I did. And and had an interview and, and, and scored the job in their marketing department. And now, now I actually get to work from home, which is awesome. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was the heaviest I've ever been. And here I'm working with, um, you know, the, the, the healthiest people on the planet. And, I, and I'm, you know, a former uh, pro athlete and coming in, and I'm, I'm the heaviest one there. So it, it, was, uh, it was just one of those things where my knees were kind of shot and, and just, you know, wasn't exercising much and was kind of eating the same. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I know the feeling. It, 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 it was it, yeah, it was it was a big change, but uh, anyway, uh, I'm I'm back to my fighting weight at, at 265. So oh, very nice. All right, back down to 265. Yeah. You have to tweet a picture of that to go along with the 327 photo. We yeah, can't just yeah. have the 327 I, I, I out there. Tweet out the 327. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, hey, anyway, George, let, uh, let me take you back all the way to kind of senior year of high school, and it was a, a very famous thing at the time because it really hadn't happened a, a lot where you had been playing in Florida. You've been playing with a club team out of Florida, and then the decision is made for you to move out to California to live with the Witt family, and you end up playing for a club. And I'm trying to think of the name of the club. It was you and Witt and Brandon Taliaferro, and there was some serious uh, talent. Yeah, it was it was Team Santa, or actually Team Santa Barbara. Okay, we were um, we had, we had yeah, it was Andy Witt, Adam Navy, Adam Navy, Peter right. Kadashi, yep, Brandon Taliaferro. Yeah, we had we, we had a stack crew at Andy Witt, and it was it was, it was an awesome team. But, uh, yeah, the, how that all unfolded was, um, you know, I, I didn't even know I was really moving to, to California until my kind of my mom and dad sat me down and said, hey, you know, we think it's, we think it's a good idea that you move to, to California and, and live with the Witt family. They had offered, and I didn't know kind of 
why I, why it was happening at the time. But um, you know, later I find out. Literally, I found out that's probably like four or five years ago that my parents are kind of having some financial hardship at the time, and um, it kind of made sense recruiting wise, and and also um, you know from a you know from a standpoint where my parents just couldn't kind of. Um, you, you know, ha- handle the finances at the time. We were real struggling, so the the wits had op- offered me to go live at their house, and and basically have four brothers to tool around with and have a good time. And um, they they're basically my second family, and um, you know, a lot of props go out to them for um, for taking me in as their own and and basically just you know raising me for my last year of uh, my senior year, and I was able to kind of basically just drive to all my recruiting trips, which is which was a blessing. So. Yeah, what did your recruiting trips look like? What was the recruiting process like for you? Um, you know, I I went um I got, I got a call from uh I think the first, one of the first calls was from Carl McGowan from BYU and and uh and and he's like, "Hey, you know, I want you to come out to BYU and check it out." And I'm like, "Well, unfortunately, I need to kind of be close to the beach and and then all of a sudden, I'm just I'm talking, and then I figured out he's not really on the line anymore. Cause he just <laughs> he just can't, kind of gave me the abrupt okay, hang up. So, <laughs> uh, that's kind of how that went, and 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 I had laughed about that with Carl a while back. I don't know if he remembers it, but I was like, well, I, I guess I'm not gonna have a follow up call with BYU. But um, and um, and then I just went on a trip to so I went on a trip to I think UCLA. USC and um, and then Pepperdine and then and I think the UCSB as well and then um, and then I was kind of a funny story I was I was kind of about to go to sleep and figuring hey I, I think I'm going to go to UCLA and I was going to call I was going to call Al Skates in the morning and uh, oh no I was actually going to call him that night and I ended up calling and no one was there in the office so I was going to tell him I was going to be a Bruin and then I decided you know what I'm just going to sleep on it. Woke up and, and called Marvin and, and told him I was going to be a, a wave. So <laughs> I, I, I slept on it and I made the right decision. I, I wanted a smaller classroom setting and be the, be by the beach and be a few miles away from some of the best point breaks in the world. So <laughs> always a critical decision when you're making your, your very important athletic decisions. Yes, absolutely. Be, be near yeah, the beach. Oh, uh-huh. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, obviously, obviously, Marv is, is is one of the greatest coaches of all time and. And, and just a great human being as well, and and I wanted to obviously play for him, but uh, you know the being close to the beach and in a small school setting and all those things kind of really factored in as well. All right, so I'm thinking back on your college career. I remember you and I came in at the same time. I came in as a junior, you as a freshman, and we had a pretty good team. We could have used uh, JJ Riley not blowing his knee in in our second year there together. Uh, but you guys went on in 1998 to make the national championship game. Tell me about that season. Uh, the way you were playing and and the national championship game itself. You know, um, we we had a really solid team at that at that time. Um, JJ was just setting phenomenal. He was he was definitely my my favorite setter the the full time I was there. Um, and you know, we we had kind of we were battling with UCLA all year, and 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 we really took it to them in the MPSF final, and we needed to win that match. Otherwise, I think I think. I think maybe Ball State was going to get the out-large. We, we, basically, we needed to win that match to kind of get in. It was at and, UCLA, uh, as I recall. Up, I think it was at that one. What's that? Wasn't it at UCLA, yeah, it was, the MPSF it was, it was final? Yeah, UCLA. Yeah, and, and we gave them a beating in four, and then they, in turn, took us took us and beat us in three in the final. So the, it, it was pretty painful because we, we were just peaking at 
a little early, and then we, we had played Princeton, which was um, it was a good warm up match for us, and and then we got to play UCLA, and and I don't know that things weren't going well. I, Chris Chris Jacobson got injured, um, and um, so there there are a lot of factors. You know, we, we didn't play that well, and 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 they were obviously playing really well, and and you know when, when there's one guy. One guy doesn't perform well. They've got four other guys that are pretty much just as good. Um, we didn't have that luxury. So, Well, then you join the national team, and you come on a couple of years before the Olympics. You have an opportunity to play overseas. What are, what are some of your memories from your national team experience? Poland. Poland was awesome. <laughs> and it, it, was, it, was it because of the jello fish? I, I don't know. No, no, I, I love Poland was awesome. Traveling pretty much everywhere was uh, every every place we went was was just awesome. I really liked Japan and in the World Cup where I think they were calling me the Flying Buffalo. That's right, the Flying <laughs> Buffalo, the Buffafro. <laughs> yeah, the, the Buffafro. <laughs> they, they obviously can't pronounce the L that well, and and it goes right into the R. So I think it was the the Buffafro. And and then um, I think Eric Sullivan's wife is a graphic designer, and she made some some sign of, of me in a frying pan. So it was a frying buffer fro. Oh my goodness! And, uh, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. So no. Yeah. That 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 was that was fun. I mean, we I, I thought we were playing really well at that point. Um, every all the players were pretty much we were on point. And um, and then um, yeah, I think I think World Cup was was pretty fun. I, if we if we would have beat um, I think if we would have beat Russia, we would have finished first. If I'm not mistaken, uh, we just needed to win that match, and then we would have finished first. But um, yeah, tell me that was definitely one of my uh, best experiences there. Yeah, that that world cha- or World Cup was uh, a pretty incredible uh, exp- run for us. I think we were six and zero meeting Russia, who was also six and zero. Even there at the end, we needed victories yeah. over Korea or Canada, and I think we lost both of those at the end and did not end up on the podium. That was uh, unfortunate. Let's no, say. Yeah, yeah, we got fourth, right? Yeah, yeah we got fourth. We lost to Korea, and then. Did we, didn't, we didn't lose Canada. Uh, maybe we beat Canada, but we didn't get enough help from Italy-Cuba. Whatever the result was we needed out of Italy-Cuba right. did not yep. happen. So we ended up fourth, which, yeah, that, that right. happened quite a bit to the U.S., finishing fourth. And All right, so moving on, the United States qualifies for the 2,000 games in Sydney. Uh, you and I are on that team together. We go and play, and we go 0-5, finish 11th in the tournament, and end up having a week's vacation in Sydney, which wasn't terribly enjoyable for me. But what are your recollections no, of that of that 2000 team and that experience? You know what? It's, it, it stings to this day, I, 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 to be honest with you. It's, it was one of the it, – obviously, it's a great experience to make the Olympics, and then everybody that's not an Olympian is telling, your, telling you that, hey, you, 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 made, you made the team and you made it to the Olympics, and then – and then you basically have to tell all those people, like, hey, all your peers are walking around with medals, and, and they've had great performances, some not. But, you know, to, to go out like that, it was just it was completely embarrassing. Um, I, I knew that wasn't the team that showed up. I mean, we, we were a lot better than what we showed there. Um, granted, we had a ton of guys had a, a lot of injuries, um, and we obviously didn't perform well. Um, I, I believe uh, I know. I know Nygaard had didn't he have a he had, he had he had an illness. He had mono. He wasn't able to even suit up. Yeah, he had mono, um, and he wasn't able to suit up. And uh, yeah, we had we had a lot of injuries, and we just weren't we weren't peaking at the right time. That's for sure. But um, but but yeah, it's for me. I I wasn't able to kind of to, to come back. I wanted to. You know, I think everybody, obviously yourself, you you got to you know go to two Olympics, and that's 
kind of what you want to do. You at least want to go to two um, because it's, you know, it's hard to peak in two weeks, um, you know, in anything. Yep. Obviously, in an NBA season, you got, you got several, several games to kind of lead up to the playoffs, and then you can, you can kind of peak. But the Olympics is, is two weeks, and you better be ready. So. All right, so that's uh, yeah, it was it, it was extremely hard for me, but it was it was a great learning experience, and I and I wanted to go to a second one. It, it didn't happen, but uh, that, that such is life. Yeah, and I wonder. Okay, so after two thousand, your path and mine diverge, and I don't know a ton about what happened for you at that point. You then are on the AVP a few years later. You and Jason Ring form a team that uh, definitely one of the most exciting teams ever. You guys win a tournament. Uh, I, Huntington Beach, I want to say the one that just happened. Yep, you, you guys yep, won down yep, there. We won, yeah, won Huntington. Yep. So yeah, what, we won Huntington. I, I, yeah. So I think. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I just I want to hear about kind of your beach career and why I go to the beach, what the advantages were, and and kind of that time there. I think a lot of people don't necessarily remember that era for you. Yeah. Well, for me, it was you know after after the Olympics, I played a season in Italy uh, for about a year, and then and then did a back to back season. Um, which a back-to-back season, pretty much what it was right after, right after Italy, I went to Puerto Rico. I think I had maybe, maybe a, maybe a month off, which, which just was, wasn't enough. And then I went straight into Puerto Rico and, and did a season for like two and a half months, three months. And then, um, and then went on a surf trip with, with Mike Lambert, buddy Paul Towers. And then on the surf trip, I, I kind of looked down at my VMO and I'm like, man, the thing is just looks like putty. And um, it just, and my, my leg wasn't firing. And then, and basically, you know, after the, and I was able to surf fine. I, I didn't really think anything of it and, and, and went to have a scope. Um, and they said, hey, we're just going to trim off a little bit of the meniscus. Um, and then you'll be back in three to four months. And then my plan was to call up Doug and say, hey, I just, just had surgery. I'm, I'm going through rehab, and I'm going to be right back um, and, and, and move back to Colorado. And, and that never happened, and I was rehabbing for about close to two years and still had every intention of, um, of, of coming back to the national team, and my, my knee just never took. So I had to take almost three or four years off before you know, I got a call from Jason. It's like, hey, you want to play some beach volleyball? And I'm like, yeah, let me, let me try it. And I had taken a long enough time off to kind of let my leg heal. And I thought, hey, this is not a lot of impact. Uh, you can use a little finesse, something I something I had to work into because all I wanted to do is hit the crap out of the ball. I uh, like that. I like that but, a lot. Uh, yeah, there, there's. I think I think me and Jason had a policy. It's like if I call a shot, just hit the ball hard anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we kind of had a unique system where he he was, you know, if we were just trying to call where, where the block wasn't. So if the blocker was, you know, really pushing and taking the guy's line, we would just say hit angle, and and we were calling out the the hit to hit, and 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 not at the, an actual shot. But uh, yeah, that that was kind of our little system. But yeah, you know, Jason basically called me one day. He's like, hey, you want to play? And went down to State Beach, and and we did. Uh, we we trained a little bit, and we we're like, hey, let's go. So and I had been rehabbing so much, doing a lot of cycling. Um, and, and that really got my legs back and thought I'd give it a go. And then uh, and we kind of came out of the gate pretty good. You know, I think our first tournament we played in was in, um, I believe, in Fort Lauderdale. And that was my home beach that I grew up on. So I had I had a lot of people. It was funny because all, all my friends were heckling me. <laughs> all my good buddies I grew up with, they're heckling me the whole time, which, which is what they do. 
And um, so we ended up having a good finish there. I believe we got third, and then and then another, I think another third maybe in um, Tempe, and then we had won Huntington, and then we kind of floated around in a fifth, a seventh. But we definitely peaked at the beginning of the year, and, and we had a good time. And and uh, and Jason was probably the you know obviously the most fun guy to play with, and and I, I've seen some of the most spectacular bounces I've ever seen ever seen on on the planet. But, uh, yeah, I, I actually just talked to him the other day. He's up in Bend, Oregon with his family, and he's doing awesome. Yeah, you had third and fourth Lauder- Fort Lauderdale to open the year, third in Tempe, seventh in Austin, first in Huntington Beach, then fifth, fifth, seventh, fifth, fifth, eighth, fifth for the year uh, there on the AVP. And that was 2004. I didn't realize there was that huge gap, George, between 2000 and 2004. What, what's going through your mind during that period of time when you're rehabbing and, uh, and struggling to make it back. I went through kind of a similar journey uh, from, from two on to the early part of four, but what was that like for you those four years? I mean, they were, they were really difficult. I mean, it's just, it's, it's mentally, obviously it's, it's strenuous because all you want to do is, is you're so programmed to be an athlete and, and free time is obviously not good. And I'm so focused on getting back and getting back. I mean, I don't know. You know, after I had, um, after I went to Italy and Puerto Rico, you know, I had a, um, I had a couple good contracts. So I, I bought a small little home in, uh, in Agora, right over the hill from Pepperdine, and you know everything was going good. And then, um, and then I started to dig into my savings every single day, going to this appointment. I, I was going from acupuncture appointments to physical therapy to, um, you know, every single kind of doctor you could think of to get a second opinion, sports chiropractors, masseuse. I mean, you name it. I, I probably made a journey up to Topanga and tried to get a healing rock from some hippie. You know? <laughs> I was, I, I was spending, I, it was, it was, it was crazy the amount of money I was spending because, you know, I have all my goals written down in, in, in you know, on paper saying, Hey, I need to get back to the national team. I had a deadline that I'd have to cross it out kind of rehash it and say, Hey, okay, let's go six months. You're going to call Doug and say, you want to come back. And it just never happened. So, um, so I, I, I like the two year point. I, I really didn't work for two years. I was basically just doing everything, but rehabbing. And, um, and then, you know, I decided, Hey, I got to get a job. So took a couple sales jobs. Cause I think that's what pro athletes typically do. It's real estate, uh, sports commentating like yourself or, or are they going to sales? Right. Um, and, and so I, I decided, hey, I'm, I got the gift of the gab, hopefully, and 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 um, I've got some contacts. So I decided to kind of reach out and and started to talk to a few folks and got a couple sales jobs here and there and, and made ends meet. And then 2004, I, I kept that sale, the same sales job, and they allowed me to also play volleyball, um, which was awesome. So I, I did I did both, and then you know started to make it a, a decent living after that. Yeah, so tell me now about the decision to quit. Why quit uh, after your time with Jason Ring on the beach and then about that actual transition, that final transition into actual real life? Um, you know, I, I started to learn more about business and, uh, and I started to put everything in a spreadsheet and, and started doing all the costs of playing volleyball, um, you know, all the money that's going into my training, the rehab, because after that knee surgery, my, my body just kind of wasn't the same. And uh, I would, you know, as you could probably talk to any guy on the team, or excuse me, any, any guy on the AVP tour is like, oh, man, is he going to be healthy this week? And I never knew. You know, one week I would, it would be this, next week it would be that. 
and I just got sick of dealing with the injuries. But as I put everything on paper and all the money, you know, I was spending to kind of travel and, um, you know, and at the time, you know, the AVP was starting to build up again where, you know, if you were finishing top five, you know, or, or higher every weekend, you know, you could be okay. But, you know, once you factor in, you know, if you don't have a sponsor, if you do have a sponsor and, and, and the cost analysis, it just wasn't really a um, kind of a net gain for me. So I, I decided to kind of say, hey, you know, I love the sport, but at some point, you know, I, I, I'm going to need to grow up and start, you know, earning, a, you know, just basically I didn't want to be 40 or 42 years old and then have to start building my career mm-hmm. um, from scratch. So I decided to kind of pull the plug early. Uh, which I'm really thankful I did, and um, but you know it, it for me it was I, I I was I was just struggling to leave, and I still wanted to play, and I, I didn't want to be good beach volleyball player and, and and a good sales guy. I wanted to be one or the other because it was just I was kind of spread a little thin. Mm-hmm. So, but, um, so but, you just, know, it ended up working out. Yeah, I mean you decide to quit and uh, give me a little give our fans a, a little synopsis of of that process of going from an athlete to being in real life and, and finding something that's fulfilling in the same way, or, or at least can fill that. Right. Hole. Yeah. And, and, and I think, and I think you've kind of, you know, everybody's experienced this that, you know, for me, when I was in eighth grade, you know, and ninth grade, I just started playing volleyball. I just instantly knew I'm like, I want to go to the Olympics. I want to go to Sinjin's volleyball camp. I want to play with Sinjin, all, all these things. And, and then it ends up happening and, and your dreams are just like, Hey, I did it. And, and, and you keep wanting to live that dream. And then you go back to, you know, selling whatever, I, I think I was selling wireless internet service at the time. And I'm going, what, how did that happen? I was traveling the world, <laughs> you know, and, and now I'm selling wireless internet ser- service. I'm like, I, I don't even understand how that happens. I don't know if you can curse on this show, but I've got a few words to kind of express that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was just, it, it was just phenomenal. I'm sitting there with, you know, college, uh, you know, seniors and just, just fresh out of college, and they're sitting in a cube next to me, and I'm going, wow, w- what happened? And I'm just hobbling up the stairs to go to work, you know, after I had my surgery and the whole deal, and, 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 and there you have it. So it was, it was very, very difficult to kind of go through that, but um, it was – it's kind of a blessing in disguise because it, it, it happened as I was 24 years old. So it's not like it happened where, um, you know, I was 40 and I've been a pro athlete and now I got to kind of start from scratch. It happened early. So I kind of got used to it. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, if, but transitioning into real life, it, it was, it's still, it's still difficult to, you know, do, do you think you're doing the right thing? But now that I'm, you know, involved in fitness and, you know, helping f- people get healthy and, and, you know, obviously the rate of obesity is kind of, running rampant in the United States. So that's kind of been a good, good thing for me to be involved with. And, and I, you know, I get to work with kids and, and folks and just, you know, help them get healthy. So that, that, that's kind of been really good for me and, um, and, and good as well for lifestyle. Um, my, my daughter recently got diagnosed with type one, uh, diabetes. Mm. So that's kind of given yep. me a, a mission to kind of, um, you know, with the fitness and the health and it's kind of a good transition to, to, to help her and, um, and yeah, I think, I think that's kind of the main thing, but I think it's the most difficult things. Like, you know, when you see Michael Phelps, you know, he's out of the pool for three or four months and he's the, you know, obviously the most gold medals of all time. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's getting into trouble because it's just the, the free time. You don't know what to do. And, and, you know, that's kind of the focus is when you're, you're an athlete 
to transition going, okay, what now kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, it's, I don't, I don't know how other athletes deal with it, but it's, it's just definitely one of the most difficult things I've gone through, but you know, all in all it's, it's been great. All right, you and I will have to sit down at lunch. We can talk about that whole process because, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. But, uh, George, thanks for the time. Before we let you go, I want, I want you to shed light on a rumor that's always floated around the volleyball world, and I want you to, I want you to confirm or deny, and if you confirm, I want to oh, hear no. about it. Uh, Lee Steinberg taking you to the NFL Combine and how many times you bench-pressed 225. Whoa, no. So, so what happened? <laughs> okay. Was, um, I, I, had, I had a meeting. <laughs> no, it, it is partially true. I had, I had a meeting with Lee Steinberg, a.k.a. the Jerry Maguire. Uh, I, was, I was in awe that I was in his office. And, um, and so basically, you know, I was brought in by this guy that, um, that he saw me. He grew up in Malibu, and um, I, I, gotta, I, don't, I forget his name, but – he he brought me and he saw me play volleyball and he's like, hey, you want to you want to come bench press a couple times and and so it was like a, it was like a mini combine. It wasn't an actual combine. It was just to see, hey, do you do you have kind of what it takes? And I think I don't know what was it two twenty five. I maybe it was like I don't know fifteen times maybe I don't know. 12, and you weren't even times. lifting. You weren't even lifting at that point, were you? Yeah. Very nice. So. Okay, so partially yeah, true. Partially true and partially true, and I probably ripped my shoulder in the process because you know I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> but no, it was it was um, it, I, I did that, and and then what happened after that? Yeah, and then, and then the, the guy put me through all these um, these motions throughout the throughout the treadmill, where you you got to you got to run backwards, and they start speeding it up sideways you know, all, all these different movements. And then we start talking and he goes, have you ever been, you ever played football? You ever been hit before? And I'm like, yeah, I've, I've you know, I've never really been hit before. Uh, what do you mean by, by, you know, punched, hit, what car accident? He goes, exactly. He goes, that's what I'm talking about. You, you the getting hit in the NFL is like being in a car accident. Would you, do you want, are you able to do that consistently? And I, <laughs> and I said, no, thank you. But, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I kind of had to pass on that. All right. Well, George, we'll leave the uh, we'll leave the dating of supermodels rumor out there, and just uh, for people to think about. I'll leave that one on the table. Uh, George Romain, thanks uh, that, very much. Yes, that, that's true. I'll, I'll that. <laughs> I want to confirm that one for sure. Okay, who? That, who? that was actually singular. That's not plural. I, I wish, but it wasn't. Dating of supermodel. Can we get a name? Yeah, yeah. What's that? Can we get a name? She, she was a beat. She was she was over the hill at the time. I think. <laughs> that's what that's what everybody was telling me when I was claiming it. It's because they were just jealousy is what it was. She, they were jealous. She, she she was it was only she was she's the only redhead out there. Carol Alt is that? Am I remember correctly here? You are incorrect. Oh, who is it? I can tell you off because I remember I was told. Does, does Jerry? Does Jerry oh, I, I, I yes, no. I know for sure. Because I was told at one okay, point. Who was it? Jeremy, who was it? Was it an Angie um, Eckhart? How do you say her last name? Eckhart? Yeah. Yeah, you, you got it. Yeah. Uh, Everhart. Yes, Everhart, yes. Angie Everhart. Yep. Oh, well, okay. Those of you listening to the program my, my, can uh, My wife's going to kill me. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll have some audio issues, so we she did, can't hear that part We didn't want to have We're breaking fine. news here on the Net Live. <laughs> <laughs> 
But, honey, Kevin brought it up on the show. I had to say something. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, act- she actually knows because she, she went skydiving with, with somebody that, that knows her. And, um, and I guess her instructor that she was dating ended up, I, I don't know, knew Angie. And, then, and she said Angie's name, and I, and I, and I looked at her. I'm like, and she looked at me, and she's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what? I didn't say anything. I have nothing Obviously, to say I here. I don't play poker because something <laughs> happened. I think my ear twitched or, or, or something. That's awesome. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Fantastic. Well, hey, George, congratulations on the family and a newfound career success. Good for you and nice to hear from you. Thanks for spending some time with us here, man. We'll catch up soon for lunch. Yeah, I, I appreciate you guys having me. All right, George Romain. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks a lot. See ya. Good stuff there. Bye-bye. Good stuff there from uh, from George. Awesome. Yeah. God. I'd forgotten about the the, the flying buffafro. I didn't realize there was that big of a um, gap between national team Nor and did beach. I. I didn't realize that. And I looked it up while, while we had him on the line. I was looking it up. And, uh, yeah, it's it's 2,000. He plays a couple of tournaments in, I think, two. A couple in f- in three, like mm-hmm. two maybe. I got to go back to it, but and then in four is when he plays with Jay Ring, and they they have those good finishes we talked about. Um, it's interesting. I I went through a very similar odyssey when it came to the injuries because I played the year following the Olympics. I played and was healthy, and then I played overseas and was healthy till oh three quarters of the way through the season. And that's when I got hurt. Was in early, let's see, early oh two. Oh, yeah, because I was all the way to my next professional season. It was early 02 that I got hurt, and I went through a similar odyssey from kind of middle of 02 professional season all the way through the beginning of 04 when I finally started to feel like myself. You're talking about 18 months. Still, I mean, it's, that's two years. a big gap, yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, it's so difficult. And, uh, yeah, interesting, the uh, memories of 2000, he said it, quote, stings to this day. Of course. And, uh, you know, I, I would be right there with him. I was right there with him until I went and played in 04. Yeah. And, the way that the team performed, the way that I played in 04, it finally even made me realize how much that 2000 had hurt. Of course. And then kind of helped me get over it. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely remember that. Was, I remember asking George one time. I don't know if it was his first season. It was pretty early in my uh, AVP DJing career. I asked him something about uh, – I started asking the players because I started getting to know them more. Like, does the music bother you? Because it's playing all the time except for in the finals. Does it bother you while the match is going? George, like to me, is like the music bothers you while you're playing. You're a mental midget. <laughs> it was awesome. No, I think the music's a motivator. I loved warm-ups where you had good music and a nice warm gym. That was always yeah for me. That was good. That wasn't bad. That was good stuff. Yeah, over the hill, George. No, she she wasn't over the hill. <laughs> of course, that's what you're investigating right now. Of course. Yeah. Because yeah, I've got a, a thousand pictures of, of redheaded Angie Everhart on here. <laughs> no way. Over the Please. Please. Haters, shut your mouth. Um, watching George and Jason play was always a lot of fun. Yeah. Always. Team bombs away. Yeah. Awesome. Bombs away. Playing indoor as though it is... Or playing outdoor as though it is, yeah. as though it is indoor. I'm not calling a shot. I'm telling you where to hit as hard as you possibly can. Angle. Line, high line, hit hard high line. I don't care. Jumbo, hit a hard, the hardest jumbo you've ever hit in your life. Make it exciting. Yeah, for sure. The most thrilling team to watch on the beach, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Best looking team, too. Let's be honest, ladies. They were coming good. down to the beach. They were a good looking team. And you saw that warming up. Yeah. Ring and remain. Yeah. You didn't go to the next court. If that was court four, 
You didn't see center court at that moment. I'm going to say there were a lot of people volunteering to towel them off. <laughs> Just to throw that out there. Yes. Yes. Handsome men. For sure. Attractive, strong individuals. Jeremy, we don't have much time left, but we cannot skip uh, AVP Huntington here. We cannot, especially since we tweeted about it. No. AV- telling people we were going to recap it. Yeah. End of, uh, end of the season. Yeah. For the AVP. Seven events. Coronation. Yep. Seven, seven events. Good events. By all uh, reports, excellently attended. We talked about that earlier. Yep. And, uh, and now AVP Huntington. Did we get any new results on the women's side? Carrie in April. Yes. Go seven for seven on the AVP tour this year. And in the finals, defeat? Who? They beat uh, Whitney Pavlik and oh. Heather Hughes. Somebody new? Yes, they ended up. Somebody new made the finals? They played Lauren and Brooke in the semis to get to the finals. What? Yeah. Lauren and Brooke did not make it? Correct. So they go six for seven finals appearances, Lauren and Brooke. No, they did not. They weren't in Oh, Atlantic. it was the first one. They weren't in Atlantic City. Oh, that's Yeah, so five for seven. Okay, five for seven. Pretty good. But Whitney and Heather, Heather Hughes' first time in the finals. Congratulations, Heather Hughes. By the way, came out bawling. Nice. There, there was no, this is my first finals jitters. There was more of, this is my first finals. Every single point we score, I'm going to jump 35 feet in the air because I'm super excited about it. She went that route as opposed to shrinking to the moment. Does that make sense? 35 feet is pretty high. It is pretty high. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it could have been a minor. Tremendously high. A minor exaggeration. Was Whitney not setting high enough? Apparently, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but they came to the ball. They were – that was the – Dustin had said earlier in tournament we were watching a match. Like, they were playing – Whitney and Heather were playing really good. And uh, April even said it in the interview afterwards that that team's defense was the best they'd seen all weekend. Mm. Um, and they were. They were – it was it was a great match to watch. Fun. Both, both finals were great. Um, Casey and Jake went four for seven on the AVP tour this year. They beat Try and John in the finals. And – Try, in case he said this as well too, in the interview afterwards, uh, blocked him a lot. <laughs> I mean, a lot. Casey was Casey was getting blocked, um, but they uh, they held in. Like Jake, you know, was covering a lot of those blocks as best he could, and they were scrappy. It was it was a it was a fun finals to watch. Um, felt like a good way. You never know how the finals are going to go at a tournament. They could be a smashing and they're boring, or it could be super close and tight and fun for everybody. And both finals this weekend were a lot of fun. Fans were engaged, and it felt like a great way to end the season. So what were Casey and Jake? Five, five for seven? Four. Four for seven. Yeah. That's a pretty good They were too. in five finals because they were in St. Pete. I believe that's correct. Yes, right. I mean, I know they were in St. Pete, but I think five for seven of being in the finals, winning four of them. What about Philip? Phil was not at this tournament. Phil Again. was uh, hurt. Uh, Sean Rosenthal played with Ty Trambley. Interesting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And speaking of the Super Smash Brothers, um, congratulations to the new Super Smash Brothers, Hudson Bates and Dave McKenzie, who got a <laughs> fifth after coming to the qualifier. So their tournament was nice, Dave as, McKenzie. as long as my tournament, starting on Thursday yeah. and ending on Sunday. Dave McKenzie. Yep. Way to go, Dave. Played a really gnarly match on Saturday against Jeremy Casebeer and Will Montgomery that went three, like overtime three. Um, Casebeer and Montgomery, you know, had their moments, had swings for the match, and just it, it was a great match. 
you felt bad for whichever team lost that match because both teams were putting giving maximum effort in that match. All right, Dave McKenzie played with who? Hudson Bates. Hudson Bates. Yep. Hudson Bates. It sounds like an actor. Who was probably tipping in at 210, 215, <sighs> and 220. Not as tall as George Romain, but big. 6'6", 210? I don't it's know about 6'6", like, 210. Like uh, here. They have him listed at 6'5". 6'5"? Six, five. Six, five. Yep. Two, you're going 220? Bigger or smaller than me? Way bigger. What? Yeah. He's got to go 220 then. I go 210 right now. He's killing it. Hudson Bates. Where's Hudson Bates from? I don't know, but the name is fantastic. It's ridiculous. He is from... It, he's Rich, from Bel Air, California. Richmond, Virginia. <laughs> no, he's from Bel Air, California. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's the son yes. of two famous movie stars. Exactly. Hudson Bates. Bates. It's a fantastic name. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. One of the most regal names. Regal. On the, uh, the AVP. How tall was Romaine? 6'8". Yeah. And all of it. Actually, 6'8". Jump touch 12-2. 12-3. Yeah, so however big Hudson Bates is now... George Romain, but at 6'8". Huh? He's, he looks like George did? If Hudson Bates was 6'8", yeah. he would be the next coming of George Romain. I guess. But... He's, he's just 6'5". But not as big. Well, like Mike... What was Mike's name? Mike who? Earlier, super buff guy played a couple of years ago. Mike? Yeah. We've no seen him in Guardhouse videos. No idea what you're talking about. I'm going to go back to Guardhouse figures and figure out another... I go to the chat board, but the chat board is freaking chat out. chat board has blown up for some yeah. reason. No. Uh... I also have no idea. Super buff guy. No Give me a super buff guy. No right. idea you're talking well, about. Jeez. <laughs> really good radio going on right now yeah. in the show. Well, I'd say congratulations to AVP on uh, a year well done. Yeah. yeah. A so- solid event. I mean, Huntington, you know, Southern California, you are, you're always going to get fans. You're always going to get fans because it's where volleyball was. And Dustin did a fantastic job this weekend keeping the crowd engaged. And the matches, it looked like – I don't know if you experienced this as – an athlete, Kevin, but like everybody knows it's the last event of the year. Some players have another FIVB event. Maybe they'll plan some opens. A lot of players, this is the last one. So it seemed like everybody had that extra motivation of, I don't have to save it because I'm getting on a plane in two hours or have a tournament next weekend. Not that you mentally do that, but maybe subconsciously, everybody was giving it their all this weekend from the qualifiers all the way to the number one seeds. Like everybody wanted it that much more this weekend and it came across in everybody's play. I like it. Special moment for Kerry and April. Go seven for seven. That's fantastic. Uh, also, we heard a special moment happen at the National Anthem. National Anthem, being around, playing music for sports since, oh, 2001, 2002 for me, I've seen a lot of National Anthems. And I've seen some moments and stuff like that. So Jake Gibbs' niece, who I believe is 12 years old, was singing the National Anthem um, I believe this was her first one, if what I was told is correct. This was her first national anthem ever in front of a crowd, obviously, uh-huh. or a big crowd or maybe at a sporting event, whatever. She's 12, so she goes out there. Um, she starts off, and the nerves, you can tell the nerves kind of get to her. Mm-hmm. So we re- we regroup, we restart, and she's just super nervous. So Jake is out. Jake had walked her out there, taken a few steps back so she could have her shine, then he's standing next to her. And then you have the moment where the crowd realizes she's a little nervous, so they say, hey, we'll help you out. And the entire crowd starts singing the national anthem along with Jake's niece. And nice. not just to get her going, nice. like the rest of the anthem with her. And she, she has a voice and has a future. Her voice is great. It was, it was a moment like thinking about it now gives, gives me the goosebumps. And it's one of those where 
and this is not a me bragging, but I'm not much of a, I'm not a crier. Like it's not never really been my thing. Yeah. But if you were a crier, you were for sure crying when this happened on Sunday. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, 100% you were crying. That's fantastic. Yeah. You can see Jake posted a photo of him and his niece on his Instagram page. If you would like to check that out. Um, but thank you for bringing that up because I almost forgot. It was, uh, it was, I mean, it's, it's, you can't script moments like that. It just happens. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was a fantastic moment. Very cool. Unbelievable. Very cool. Yep. There's video of it somewhere. Somebody's got to have video of it. I'm that sure. I'll post I am that. sure. But post thanks that. to the AVP for allowing me to do one of the things I love the most, Kevin, play music at volleyball events. My Very 11th good. year. 11th season. Will you have a 12th? guess there's only one way to find out. Are you still looking at Angie over there? Yeah. <laughs> well, because... Not I, listening to me? Kevin? I went, I went to happening? click away, and then I found out did. that she was rescued from Cabo, which if you haven't seen Cabo and what happened, it hasn't really been covered here on the news, which to me is a little disturbing. Um, it's hurricane? close enough, and there's enough people there that basically Cabo uh, has gone to The Walking Dead. Because of the hurricane? Yeah. It wiped out everything. I had no idea. Took out the resorts, took out homes for people, took out part of the airport. There have been military transports pulling Americans out at $600 a ticket they're charging them to get out on military transports. Wow. Uh, it's unbelievable. But it was St. Robin Thicke and Angie Everhart uh, rescued some of those who were rescued from Cabo. Yeah, it's really gnarly, the, the situation that Cabo is in. Uh, friends of mine are supposed to go there in a couple of weeks. I was there eight, nine months ago. I guess it's pretty devastated. That, that can't be good. No, a hurricane came right up Baja and crushed it last week. But it hasn't really been reported. I'm not sure why. Um, before we go, something I've failed to mention, and I take full responsibility for this. I don't think I said You're it quitting the show. the show? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Carrie Walsh Jennings. I've heard of her. Is now the third winningest player of all time after her Atlantic City win. Third winningest of all time. Notice I didn't say third gender. winningest. Yeah, there was no gender in there at all whatsoever. So is she – she's obviously behind Karch. And you better know who the next person is. I think it's a guy with a funny name. Yes. We've had him on the show for three hours. Sanjayan? Something like that. Sign, sin, oh, yeah. Sanjaya? Yeah. Sanjaya. Yep. Mr. Sinjin Smith. Yes. Third winningest winning – Ist is a, is a word. Winningest? Yep. Of all time. I'm going to put that in my notes here just so I remember. Congratulations, Carrie. In April, now I believe after Huntington Beach, is 41 career victories, and she is close to the uh, cracking the top 10 and wins. Karch's number is 148. 48. What's Sinjin? Do we know? Mm. What's Carrie? I don't know. A lot. Third. Third. <laughs> well, I just wonder if she – I think we talked about this a bit ago. She's in striking distance. I think she's close. You'd she's have got to win like, like 10 per year or something 10, like yeah. that. Yeah. To, yeah. yeah to well, the AVP is helping. If the AVP goes away, it's going to be a lot harder. Seven for seven. That's a good way to pad your numbers right there is domestic competition that right now, not taking away anything, but right now there aren't the wealth of good teams that exist on the FIV. Correct. Easier to win on the AVP than um, the FIV. And also want to say, too, uh, congrats to Lane Carrico on a fantastic season. She made six semifinals this year out of seven. That's pretty nice for a young player. Yeah, with two different partners, by the way. That's nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, Amanda Dowdy, who played most of the year with Nicole Brenna, um, 
would be my vote for rookie of the year. Just gonna throw that out there. Who's that? Amanda Dowdy. Amanda, I, I don't even know. It's because she's a rookie. We usually don't. Yeah. Okay. I like it. From Austin, Texas, lives in Hermosa, went to Texas Ticks, six two. Nice. Yep. All right. I like it. I'm just looking for the number here. They don't have the chat board. They're usually very good with this. They're on top of it. BVB Info probably has it too. Yeah. Chat board but, would be awesome if it was actually working. Yeah. Anyways, <clears throat> that'll do it for the show. Way to dominate, Kevin. I want to say thank you to 124, if this is correct, BVB Info. For Kerry. Kerry Walsh. 124. What about uh, Sanjaya? One moment. Okay. Continue your wrap up. 148. 148, 124. So 24 away. She needs a plus 24. I'm looking at it right now. Two years to the Olympics, 15. See? You got to go 12 per? 139, Sinjin. 139. Okay. So that's a lot closer. Well, 15. Okay. So she's plus 15 and plus 24 to move up. Guard to 148. I'm going to say for sure she gets Sinjin. Okay. All maintaining oh, health. Man. Yeah, you hope she stays healthy. Maybe. Maybe maybe Karch. She gets Sinjin. Well, because let, let's maybe Karch. For the for sake of argument, let's say after the next Olympics, that's her let's let's just say that's her last year. I have no idea. I've never talked to her. She's never hinted at that being her last. Let's just say that it is. Right. Can she get to Karch by then? No. Interesting. How many terms does she win this year on the FIVB? That's also a great question. Look up her probably things I should look up her total numbers for this year. There's also year. one more to go. Okay. But they've won a few. I think they've won at least two this year. It's much harder to win on the FIVB. For sure. Well, if the AVP hadn't come back, she'd really be we'd really be having a different discussion about it. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's seven wins. That's a huge number to move up this year. I mean she doesn't have nearly the opportunities Karch and Sinjin had back in the day, twenty six tournaments. With just domestic competition, not worldwide competition. Four this year. Four. Okay, so total 11 this year. With one to go. Mm-hmm. Four wins. So she she knocked off 11 this year. Pretty extraordinary year. Yeah. Pretty heavy. Go seven for seven domestically. So she'd have to have two more years equal to that to pass Sinjin and come close to Karch. Plus, it's an Olympic year. There'll probably be some adjustments of schedules there. I'm going to say if she quits after the Olympics, she does not get to Karch. And, well, what if you're that close to Karch? Then you stay. Then you stay. Yeah. Yeah, if it's me, I stay. If I need three tournaments or four tournaments or whatever it is, and I'm carrying, and I'm, I've had that kind of success, I am playing in 17 just for the record. Just to, yeah. Just for the record. And because I like to play. I mean, honestly, people always want athletes to quit, and we've gotten into it here before. It's fun to play. Well, I'd, people stay because they're having a good time, and like as well as you know, once you can't play anymore, that's it. There's no, oh, let me take some years off and then I'll come back. That, that's no, that's not how it works. No, and it's fun. So I'm going to say if she quits after the Olympics, she doesn't make it. If she goes after the Olympics, she becomes the winningest of all. Interesting. Time. Be pretty cool. Pretty amazing. It's going to be fun to watch. That's for sure. Amazing career. Yep. Thank you to Brandon Rosenthal. Thanks to Vinny Lopes for being a part of our College of Volleyball Weekly. Thanks to 6-8 Clothing Company for sponsoring this show. Volleyball Magazine for hosting us. I want to also thank George Romain for coming on and spending some time with us and updating you, the fans, as to what he's been up to. 
And if you do come across George, you'll probably know it. Large mammal. For sure. Large mammal. Large mammal. <laughs> thanks, to Jeremy, for being here. And thanks to you, the fans, for being a part of our show. The netlive at gmail.com is our email address. Please use it. Let us know what you think about some issues that are happening. Bring something to our attention. Give us some feedback on stuff we've talked about on these programs. We'll be back next week, I believe, Jeremy, with another program. And then uh, we're looking at a possible week off. Correct. Okay, so back next week with another show. The Net Live. Have a good week, people. Play some volleyball. The top four teams make it to the championship round. But who will celebrate the ultimate victory at the NCAA Women's Volleyball Championship? Be there up close to take in all the exciting action. And the best way to see it is to experience it live. At the 2014 NCAA Women's Volleyball Championship, December 18th and 20th at Chesapeake Energy Arena in Oklahoma City. Affordable tickets available. Go online at NCAA.com slash volleyball and reserve your seats today.